Hello. Okay, and we got to start this bitch now. From okay. the beautiful central coast of California, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show. I was about to crack over a cold one, but I'm like, no. That's only a, a special thing once we actually get in the middle of the show's going. You used to crack them open during the intro. Yeah, when the explosion hits. Yeah, you know what? Fine. I'll just crack it over right now. Yes. Oh. 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 chicken tendy sliders. No good. I just slammed out two freaking tendies. You mean two chicken tendy sliders from Dave's Hot Dave's? We have fun. True. I'm trying not to burp. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. How's it going? Hey, everybody. I'm Edward. Um, it's a day over here. I uh, it's a chilling Sunday at the time of this recording. There's two. There's there's three things that immediately come to mind. I wanted to mention one. When we talked about PWG last week, did we forget to mention that we met the singer for Witch Haven? I think we did. We met the singer. For, if any of you guys give Whatever, a crap a about metal, ass- we yeah. met the singer for Witch Haven. It was a funny thing, too. Hey, if you want to listen to a garbage black and thrash band, that might like Terra Storm is a good rec- is like a good like rec- like I feel like that's a fine thrash record. Like it's total C effort, like total like C record, but it's like a wow. good. It's it's a good though. It's a good C. It's a good C. It's a high. C. But like literally, yeah, we like. Saw this dude that was sitting in front of us with a Penta, with a freaking Pentagon Junior like back patch, this battle like, vest. This like total, just like, just, just, just like, um, scuzzy looking, just this, this total like Mexican cholo thrasher. Like, he's he had all the long beer belly hair. and he like, had the gross goatee. Well, grosser than mine. Yeah, the gross goatee, the tight thrasher pants, the poofy, uh-huh. like, poofy high tops. And we saw That's- this dude like all night and he sat in front of us. And James was, and I was like, man, look at this dude. I said, look at this thrasher. And, and then, like, he's wearing a Witch Haven shirt. I'm like, is this the fucking singer of Witch Haven? Yeah, well, yeah, because you were like, you're like, oh, it's like, oh, look, the singer for Witch Haven. And then as the night goes, on james is like you know what bro i think that might actually be the singer for witch haven and i thought he was joking right so we get back to the car after the show ends, and we see him we see the dude walking to his car that's like parked, parked right, right next to us and i was like and i was like oh there he is he's like do you really think that's the singer for witch haven james oh. like well i don't know i'm like should i ask him and you're like fucking do you, it do sure you want to. I'm like, yeah, go I'm for it. it i roll down the window hey uh, excuse me and i was like i lean up i'm like Hey, are you the singer for Witch Haven? Hey, excuse me, are you the singer of Witch Haven? He turns around, he's like, yeah! I'm like, I'm oh like, shit! I'm like, fuck, lucky ass guess. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how you point, I don't know how you figured that out. I'm like, yeah, dude, we've been like listening to your band since like freaking high, high school. school. We didn't go too deep into it because obviously we, I saw them at like with a Municipal Way show and shit. Yeah. I saw him at, at like a municipal way show that I went and went and saw. It was like a couple days before my graduation, and my vehicle broke down in L.A. and I missed my graduation because of it. But that's a different story for. That's right. Long. They were at that show. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've never told that story on the podcast. That's a very long story. It that, is a long. That story. could be a longer story. We'll do it later. Yeah, but we met the guy. And we're like, yeah, dude, freaking, we've been listening to you since high school, and he's like, oh yeah, dude, cool. Hey, we're playing a backyard party. 
I'll let you go. But he's like, dude, we're playing this backyard party. And I think he said like East Los Angeles or something. In like East LA. Yeah, in, in like East LA, dude. You guys should come over. There's good, there's good, there's gonna be, there's gonna be balloons. There's gonna there's be, be balloons. There's gonna be underage drinking. <laughs> and you can hang out with a bunch of fucking groms, man. No, a bunch of fucking goons. goons. You can hang out with a bunch of fucking goons. I'm like, he leaves. I roll up the window. I mean, and start it sounds driving. like there's gonna be I, drinking. Yeah, there's gonna be balloons. There's gonna be underage drinking. We uh, and you can hang out like total goons. We start driving, and then I lean over to James. And I'm just like, dude, the singer for Witchhaven talks just like us. It was uh, fucking hilarious. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. We t- I don't know if we like told a story. Well, we never went to detail. No. Maybe we quoted, hey, there's going to be underage drinking yeah, and no, we balloons. Probably did that. I'm like, hang well, with a bunch yeah. of goons. Yeah. Anyone uh, doesn't know LA backyard shows that are just sketchy. They uh, they do that. Underage yeah. drinking and like to huff NOS balloons. Yeah. Just be sitting there snu- like huffing just the balloons. Just because I don't give a fuck about the authority and Yeah, they'll huff balloons and just make your voice sound like this. You're like, I'll go fuck about the authority and shit. They make no, you, I they just make, slam like two tendies from Hot Dave's Hot Dave's. They make you sound like Big Show just ate Andy from Tough Enough. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I noticed, I saw something funny on uh, Reddit. There's a Reddit page called uh, The Squared Circle, which if you can believe it, is actually, ironically, the Reddit, uh, the subreddit, is one of the friendlier places for wrestling fans I've seen. But there was a there was an article, uh, not an article. Someone posted on there how William Regal was like, I was backstage recently and I saw something that really uh, you could tell is uh, part of what's wrong with wrestling today. Everyone's on their phones, and it doesn't feel like I'm paraphrasing this next part. But he basically says, you know, when they're on their phones all day, it doesn't feel like they feel like they're at their job, basically. And I was like, you're such a boomer. <laughs> Uh, oh, here it is. I, okay, I thought I still have William Regal on the primary problem that currently goes across all wrestling locker rooms. I see people on their phones all day long. You've got enough time on your own to chat with people or do something else on your other days that you're not at work. You should be trying to be to get better at war games. No, he didn't say that part, but yeah. Oh my bro, what are you gonna do in your downtime? Are we just gonna stare at a wall? Maybe talk. Just sit there or, you know, we have these things that can entertain us during our downtime. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, that's and the only other story was that I was late today by quite a bit, a well, little later than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. yeah. You were like, told me I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I'm like, hey, don't sweat it because I got to go run an errand because I sold a friggin soundbar and two wireless speakers on Facebook Marketplace. I was still technically 10 minutes late. Yeah. I got a quick story on that one. Uh, They get like Marketplace gave me a friggin uh, printout like shipping label, but it was like for 10 pounds. And my fucking thing I was like hauling off was like 30 pounds. And fucking, I had to bite the bullet and ship this fucking soundbar subwoofer and two wireless speakers for off uh, for a hundred and fucking sixty dollars. Like I sold all the stuff for three hundred and eighty, but there goes a hundred and sixty dollars of that. But I got this stuff for free, so there is a two hundred and like ten to twenty dollar profit, I guess. It just sucks, though, because right now it's like I don't have that money. I got to wait till the stuff gets shipped off and to the guy and then I'll receive my money from Facebook. It was annoying. Yeah, I was very I was very annoying, but I was sitting there. It's like, do I go run around? I'm like, I kind of want to just get it's like it's been sitting around forever. 
I sh- just want to get rid of it ASAP. I should just get rid of it. I don't need this. Yeah. Unless you want a fucking soundbar subwoofer and like two wireless speakers, basically. They, they, I mean, were- I do want uh, to upgrade my car stereos. But yeah, but this is like for your TV. I've got, I probably have no room for it. I would like it. I genuinely yeah, would. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think you no want to front the bill. Not at the moment. And here's the thing. Like, <laughs> these were all brand new. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't even take them out of the box. Still in the box. Brand new. Yeah. I'm just selling them off. And basically, I got them free because my mom got them free from her work. Because it's like, oh, hey, we could give you this stuff. We could give you free stuff. And my mom's like, I don't want it. You want it? I'm like, I'll take it and sell it. And that's why I did. I took it and sold it. End of story. But, and you're like, I'll be like 10 minutes late. I'm like, all right, for sure. Hey, don't sweat it. I got to run errands. So take your time. And then you decided to like go. I guess you slowed the fuck down. Also, you hit traffic too. But tell us, there was giant traffic. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned. Um, you know, uh, I would like those speakers to one foot the bill. Yeah, that's partially because. Uh, so it's my day off, and so I went to this dank mall we've got over here, and I. Uh, we don't have a mall here. You got to go like uh, from you one, two, three, like. Three, four towns over. It's basically right next to Morro Bay. Okay, not literally. You but. had to drive 45 minutes. And because uh, they've got this sweet ass retro. They've also got the uh, retro game shop. They're called World 1-1. They've also got some like total like modern weeb stores where like you can buy. They, you, there's this store called Spencer's where you can buy everything from like, you know, from like pop culture and band tees to uh, to to well let's just say quote-unquote cringy uh, anime shirts uh to anime shirts but it's hentai chicks on them uh to where they also in the same store sell sex toys but i went to world one one which is a great retro game shop they've got a lot of cool stuff and the reason i couldn't have fronted the bill for the speakers is because i uh purchased some classic uh final fantasy games Ooh, what for you the buy? playstation one so they're really neat so one's called final fantasy origins it has the first two games redone for ps1 i'm like okay cool then they have final fantasy and um anthology which has final fantasies five and six and yeah six the ones with kefka but then they have another one called final fantasy chronicles this has final fantasy four and Chrono Trigger, <laughs> huh? Which, um, yeah. So that's a, it, it's kind of funny because on the because when it's ta- when it's uh, when you're reading the description of Chrono Trigger, it's talking about how it's talking about how yeah, play the prequel to Chrono Cross. I'm like, that's not how that works, but yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had uh, in this order, I got there, had some sweet Japanese food, tried yakisoba for the first time. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I, I even ate the broccoli. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, Sorry. Damn, it's pretty good. I liked it. And so I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm really digging this Japanese food. And then on the way home, I got me some breakfast jacks because I'm a man of culture. Breakfast. Wait, wait, breakfast. What? Breakfast jacks from Jack in the Box. They oh. had the extreme sausage sandwich. It's fucking tasty, dude. You like- not, maybe not as good as a sausage egg McMuffin, but it's pretty good. Yep, there you go. So yeah, that's why. I that's why you're late. It's like it was the fucking breakfast jacks. It was. It was. Yeah, lit- you went to the Jack and a Crack. Is that why it you was, like showed up? Like <laughs> it was literally because I was being. I was being. Uh, you showed up 20 minutes after I showed up, which is divisible by 10. So it is technically 10 minutes late. 
from a certain point of view, said Obi-Wan Kenobi. But yeah, literally the reason why I was late. not as slick as Obi-Wan. But literally the reason why I was late was because I was being a, I was being a weeaboo virgin, eating Japanese food and buying Japanese video games. Nice. (laughs) To come to my podcast with my Japanese friend. I'm basically Japanese. No, you're not. Stop that. (laughs) You're cringy. Konichiwa, homie. Konichiwa, my homie. <laughs> okay, so are we gonna do the? Are we gonna do the 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 who list before hot or not or after? Hmm, depends. Do you want me to timestamp this? Uh, what the who thing? Yes. Yeah, if you want to. Mm, okay, let's uh, you know let's do it. Let's uh, <laughs> before we actually get to spicy into the show. Let's actually do that. Okay. Are you still leaving it? No, 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 you're good. Okay, whoopsies. Okay, whoopsie poopsies. So if you haven't been around for literally the last 12 episodes, we listened to the discography discography for a famous underground, not really British band called The Who. Um, And it was a fun journey. I really enjoyed listening to these guys. They had some ups and downs for sure. And sometimes those downs were really, really down. But overall, uh, before I get into the list here of my personal ranking of the albums, I am glad I listened to them. Um, and uh, yeah, there was some good stuff. It to was be interesting. It, you could say it brought in your taste. You could tell what, what like you felt like, like maybe what you yourself, the listener, felt like what you liked out of the hue and what you felt like they did sick, did interesting. And then some stuff were honestly is like, yeah, you know, you could definitely tell it was like listening to the journey of a band. Yeah. And like definitely when they hit their like burnout and lows, you felt it. So let me rank them all real quick. So There's you going, 12. Yeah. So you're going from worst to best or worst best? to best. Okay. What's the worst? I'll just go with the yay or nay. I didn't really okay. rank them on my own time, but that doesn't mean, but I also didn't want to try to remember all of them. So I'll go you off You said you list. forgot. That too. I straight up forgot. Oh my God. What am I going to do with you? What are you going to do? <laughs> How about you tell me your damn list and I'll go, oh my, I agree or disagree. So number 12, which makes this in my personal opinion, the worst Who album for, to probably the surprise of no one, the Who by the numbers. Who by the numbers. You don't say. You know, I read that title, right, when we listened to it, and I was thinking to myself, okay, this is just them having a sense of humor, right, like they did with the Who Sells Out. But no, this record really did feel by the numbers. It wasn't even just that. Like, they were burnt out. You could tell. This album was so bad, it made Keith Moon think for a while that he wasn't a good drummer. Uh, because there was one song he couldn't play in time with it or whatever. Like, when we listened to it, I'm like, eh, okay, but on a re-listen, nah, the album's kind of lame. It's the only one I can really say that about. It's the only album I can really say I that about. I can agree with that one at the moment. I need, As I said, I need to try to remember all of them, but I can agree with that one. That definitely was on, I would put lower, in the lower tier. Yeah. This next one might be a little contentious, and I get it. Um, Tommy was trying to be creative, first of its kind, didn't really captivate me though. Even Dude, with your the dad's plot. gonna fucking fight you. Uh, I, I and here's the thing: I like records like Tommy, but honestly, your mom's gonna snitch <sighs> you out, and like your dad's gonna hear this, and you're like, "My shun, I'm about to whip your ass," uh, but not in that terminology. I like concept records like this. You know, I'm a fan of just them like, and prog rock. Or he's gonna like his revenge to you is next time he cooks you a steak, he's gonna cook it well done and in spite. I might fight him. Are you sure you want to do that? A dry steak? I would rather get shot in the arm. 
Yeah, he's gonna give see you the, the seriousness. Yeah, in his he's eyes. gonna give you the driest, driest stick. <laughs> but yeah, like I just feel like what this album wanted to achieve and what it was going for. I'm aware it's the first of its kind. And I respect that, but I just think Quadrophenia and the mini opera from Endless Wire did what this album tried to do better. So yeah. Yeah, I would put Tommy there. I don't know if I would put Tommy like that. It's hard to say because that song, that album is kind of a one song album for me. So I could, yeah. I could almost Out agree. Out of like 24. I could almost agree on that one, but it also depends too. It's like, you got to remember, it was a rock opera. So <laughs> you can, like, we can put that there, but it's like, I'm not like, there's part of me that wants to disagree with you on that one, but I have to hear the other albums out for, like, again. To continue on, but I feel yeah. like definitely I would put it on the lower tier. It's not the worst, yeah, but definitely wasn't that great. Try uh, not track. Uh, album number ten. It's hard. Now this album tried. Okay, it really did. And Eminence Front is it? Eminence Front. It's a total banger. But while I usually try to root for underdog albums like this uh, in a band's history, and sometimes I even gravitate towards them, just wasn't feeling it with its heart. Like, because, like, if I remember, you know, if you remember, that first half was kind of all right. That second half died a death. Here's the thing I feel like the record before It's Hard, I felt like wasn't as good as, as It's Hard. At least It's Hard really? had Eminence Front. True. So I would put, like, It's Hard before the, like, before the record, before whatever that one was. The one, like, Fuck, what was that one? Was it the one after Keith Moon died? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was called Face Dances. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have Face Dances under Eminence uh, after It's Hard because Eminence Friends awesome. Oh, so. it's great. Like, there's no draw for it's for um, Face Dances. That's true. There was one really... Seriously, it's hard to remember these it, fucking but... titles, bro. <laughs> face Dances, It's Hard, what? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, Face Dances, It's Hard, um, Tommy... Who's next? You know. Fuck, it's hard for me because I, I would also put like face dances maybe under Tommy mm-hmm. and then like kind of like there with like who by the numbers if I was to rank it. And then, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was a lower tier. I feel like, yeah, for sure, lower tier. I think we're getting there. Actually, yeah, go to the next one. Album nine is a quick one. The second one, uh, it was experimental. It was, but it was equal parts unique, but also very filler. It, it really, the album itself, uh, really feels like a like it's audibly a transitional period from you know their Beatles ripoff days to their more let's just say complex songwriting structure that was found in their next album, Who Sells Out. Well, here's the thing: I had more fun with that one than like obviously Tommy. Like obviously, other records that we have spoken. Was there any hits off it? No, but I thought it was a pretty fun record, so I would put it more in the middle tier for me. Um, Maybe a couple minutes, yeah, a quick one because I prefer it over yeah. like Who Sells Out. Yeah, that that song did have a notable song, you know, with Boris the Spider, which yeah. is a fan favorite. So it, yeah, it's, there's Boris. And isn't the that Spider. the one? And didn't that song end with that kind of like like six or seven ish minute like weird like proggy song? Yes, yeah. Which I remember. As really I said, liking. I had really fun. I like if you ask me, I like I'm reckon I rate the records on how I had fun and enjoyed them. Okay, how much of less of it was a chore, and that one wasn't much of it was a chore. That felt fun and fresh when listening to it. So I'll put it above like. I'll put it a little bit more above than what you have in your list, but continue on. Eight is Face Dances. It's one of those albums you think you won't like, but it surprises you. Um, There's no songs really carrying it. There's not even really notable singles, but I just remember 
uh, I just remember uh, liking it more and more through uh, It's Hard because, again, It's Hard does have Eminence Front, which is one of their great songs, but I just remember explicitly feeling face dances. I'm like, uh, um, besides Eminence Front, It's Hard, I was like, bro feeling really bored face dances had a bit of that too but i didn't feel nearly as bored or worn out when listening to it it's valid all right what's the next one number seven quadrophenia and all i have to say about it that i wrote here is better tommy it's in the middle i would agree with that one yeah it's definitely in the middle tier for me i know i don't have much of an actual ranking i'm just gonna go like <laughs> lower tier middle tier if, if, maybe it feels more authentic this way it feels a little yeah for me yeah for you yeah Number six, uh, Endless Wire. Now, if we were rating the first like nine songs and the mini opera separately, uh, mini opera itself might actually be a spot up. But the album is quite good. Ran a little long, but honestly, uh, I thought Endless Wire, the one from 2006, uh, I thought that that had some really good songs on there. Yeah, I kind of put in like the same tier as like Quadrophenia. They're kind of, yeah, they're kind of like the same vibe for me. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like that's a good spot. If you, I don't know what I would put above it, like above each other, maybe I might put Quadrophenia above Endless Wire. Maybe not above the mini opera, but we have to put the Endless Wire with it together. So mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah, not referencing that. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> that's, that's funny. But I have a feeling they're like you know they're kind of tied for with each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of number five is who from 2019 the last album it's the kind of album you want to hear I believe when you uh, when you're listening to an old band in a what is at the time a modern era it mixes old with new it's not a deviation but it's not like stale either um like again i liked endless wire but with who from uh a few years ago i was just very pleasantly surprised again by it plus roger sounded less old as we noted yeah no i had fun with it I had fun with that one. It's definitely if if you like we're checking out, like if you want to like check out the hood, it is interesting. It's not obviously I would say a go to record, but was it like just dis- what did it just dis- like was it like did I come in thinking like it was be shittier? Yes. But was it better <laughs> than my expectations? Actually, yes. Yeah. It was actually kind of a, like a pseudo fun record. But why would I go back and listen to it again? I don't have the motivation for it. And then number four, My Generation. I believe this is a very solid start to a discography. The only real flaws that I could really think of was that it had a couple bouts of generic songwriting, but it's got three anthems that really elevate it because, you know, it's got Kids Are All Right, My Generation, and um, there's another one on there. Well, even if it didn't, Kids Are All Right and My Generation, those are like two of the great songs of that time. So, you know. Uh, yeah, number four. All right, so for sure with my generation, I would like, I don't know if I would want to come back and listen to it, but they do have like, the, it's like definitely, because it's a little bit more the generic stuff. It, I would put it in the same tier as like their second record. It's worth like maybe going back and listening to for me personally, mm-hmm. but to go on a random side story, 4th of July, I didn't do shit. I was just kind of being lazy. <laughs> I was being a lazy vegetable and just kind of napping it out. It was kind of the vibe this But year. I also... Friggin' binge watched Despicable Me and I watched Men <laughs> because we were talking about it's like I never watched the movies, so I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go and watch the movies. 
I'm not going to break down how I felt about the movies, but I did watch Minions and fucking My Generation came on too. Really? Yeah, dude, because like- Was it, it the actual Who version or was it the one that like Miley Cyrus did? No, it was the actual Who version. That's cool. Because this is in the characters are set in 1960s London. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So like fucking My Generation came on and My Generation plays like, oh, fuck. It's actually a good vibe right now for like the fucking like montage scene that they Plus got. Plus the going. Who are way cheaper than Beatles or Zeppelin. Yes. Well, okay, Zeppelin wasn't until the end of the sixties, but the number three, the Who sold, the Who sell out. Now I'm aware that memory. Now if memory serves, I remember when we listened to this record, I was way hotter on it than you were. But I truly believe the Who sell out was a really just the perfect culmination of the sound that they had been going for for years at that point. And sure, I'll, I'll give credit that the credence to that. The second half falls a little flat, but I just thought that first half just more than makes up for it because it's got. Because it's got some of the rawness of their older albums, but it also shows signs of some of the complexities that Pete Townsend would shoot for on future records, but it didn't feel too long or overly pretentious. This is technically a concept album, too, but there's the concept part of it kind of drops in the first in the second half. It's hard to say with this one. I would definitely put it lower than your rating, but it's kind of like what I put it above Tommy. I'm trying to think on that one, though, too. It's hard to say. It's kind of like in that area. It's definitely a middle tier for me. Maybe lower middle tier, but it's not the worst record. Fair. Number two is Who Are You? Now, I know it'd be easy to say, oh, bro, that title track is the only reason it's up here. But honestly, there were other good songs on here. There were there were some I remember. I, I remember going through my rankings for it. And I'm like, yeah, there was some not too great songs on here. But the but they were good enough to where I was just like, you know what? Honestly, just them with the title track. Maybe if they trimmed out a few more songs, you know, but it's good. I think it's worthy of the number two spot. Well, here's the thing. It, I thought it was better than Who By The Numbers. Obviously, Who yeah. By The Numbers is the worst record. It was coming off Who By the numbers we do agree it's on definitely that. i would say you know i think it might be better than than like was it face dances yeah i think it might be better than face dances a little bit but it's also a record where i will put in the who albums of it's a one it's a one song draw and the number one is who's next oh fuck <laughs> and the only thing i have to say is because bruh was it ever going to be anything else? No. This album is basically perfect. Oh, yeah, no. That album was the best. Hands Beginning down. to end. It, it 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 almost It's more debatable <laughs> on what's like where to put at the bottom. It's harder yeah. to debate on what to put at the bottom than it I, is to put at the top. I do genuinely believe that the Who by the Numbers should be at 12. But if you if you wanted to make an argument that it maybe it's uh that maybe it's uh I don't know, uh, maybe the face dancers or it's hard or something, or maybe one of the other mm -hmm. ones, I'd listen to it but who's next is their best record oh that's I, easily best was, record best songs yeah it's great i mean it, i mean it's not just the last two songs right it's not just behind blue eyes it's not just won't get fooled again but there's bob o'reilly there's bargain and even the middle of the album's pretty all right too it's just it's so solid it's just so solid yeah it definitely there's an easy there's an easy top top tier yeah. s tier and it's definitely that out of the who albums i think i would then put like the first two like who records kind of like after it and then i'm trying to think from there i think yeah i put the first two who records after it i think i would then put like i think i might would put like uh it's hard and who's next kind of near that and also i think i would put who and then maybe like like glass wire under that and then i'm kind of getting lost but you got to get the vibe. Yeah, yeah. 
Maybe Tommy's better on a second listen. I don't know. Did you listen to Tommy on a second listen? Um, I did. I threw on like uh, I threw on like the first half to be because I was like, okay, I'm gonna try again, and I'm like, mm, mm, pinball wizard. Mm, mm, mm. I guess it's a little better, but I don't know. I just it's a rock I'll, opera, son. Don't you get it? Which is, dude. I'm like, it's hard. Tommy is a little weird spot. That yeah. like it was definitely I didn't have much fun. Maybe I'll throw it on my own time where I'm just letting it just be a record. Just let it play. I'm not even going to pay attention to the songs. Yeah. I'm just let the record flow. Like, obviously, if I had to pay attention to the songs and break it down of how I like the songs, would it be as good? It's hard to say because I was like that with like GNR's Appetite of Destruction. I didn't care for it as much when I had to actually like right. actually pay attention to the songs. But when I threw on the record itself, it was a little bit better. So maybe Tommy might have that. I don't know. But I don't need your dad coming to whip my ass or giving me well done steaks. So what did you guys think? Let us know in the comments below. Like, comment, like, and subscribe and hit that notification bell. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, The Who. They're awesome. Listen to them. Damn right. Oh, fuck it. I think I was about to bring up something. What? It's about The Who? No, not about The Who. It's just going to be something off. I'm like, all right, we're done with The Who. You know what I did see? Hmm. I kind of will give it a seven or so. The new Thor movie. I went and oh, saw that. Oh, Love and Thunder. Yeah, I went and checked it out. And I'm thinking, it's like, you know, I would say it's about at a little bit better than the first one. Definitely better than the second one. Well, everyone. But the third one uh, definitely was like, just, it was honestly really good. Wasn't that one direct? Am I, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that one directed by James Gunn? The third one? Yeah, I thought it no, was. No, I, I think it might have been directed by, like, the dude that voices Korg. Oh, who's also the friggin' like game developer and uh and like free guy. That's right. You know that was a movie. I don't know if people actually went and watched it in theaters, but I, that gained like a weird cult following. Well, it was supposed to come out like a couple years ago, I think, but I think COVID fucked up its release schedule. Yeah, and then like whenever it came out, I, when I saw it, I was like, "What is this? Just some weird like? This just looks like some fucking another like, oh my god, Ryan Reynolds movie? Just him, Ryan Reynoldsing." I didn't know it was like a video game concept movie. Oh yeah, I did not know that. The free, trailers free guys an old term for getting uh for getting an extra life in a game. Dude, I was like, as I said, like free guy totally. That's a movie. Like definitely go check out. That's a pretty fun movie with its like nerd references. But even then, just like it's a little like over. I thought I was a good movie overall. Talking about movies, but that's just me wanting to side off real quick. Just going like, oh yeah, I saw a new Thor movie. Yeah, I thought it was good. Christian Bale was like, it's. Christian Bale was so weird. Every time he'd act, it's like there's a hard line on the level of acting that hits. Yeah. There's like the there's like the normal people, and then there's Christian Bale. Is that a is it like a And good- like he's being weird and campy being Christian Bale too. Okay. But like his character, but there's a level of it too. There's like those people and then there's Christian Bale. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that that, that kind of like there's a hard line on the level of like extreme professional like super actors. Cause like you have Chris Hemsworth. And then there's like Christian Bale when he talks. And I'm like, yeah, no, th- these two are not in the same realm. It's weird. Yeah. I think the ports is fine. I think Natalie Ports is fine, but it's hard to say. Where where do you put Natalie Porton as an actress? Solid. Definitely. With the right direction. You know what? She's solid. Script too, obviously. It obviously, but like, I was like, you know what? I think she was really good in Black Swan. 
That was a good movie. That was a really good movie. But I'm trying to think of other movies. That I've was seen. also like a that was like a thriller artsy French film though too. So that's gonna command nothing but the best of your acting chops. Yeah, Mila Kunis is in that movie too. I know, and she was awesome in that one too. And then I'm like, but I'm trying to think. Is obviously I know now. I know the ports from Thor. In Star Wars, I know she's done other movies, but I'm having a hard time trying to think of the ports right now. Natalie Portman is someone I know. I've seen a lot of her in a lot of movies, but you can't but remember. I can them? Never remember anything except Star. I forget she's in Thor. She's just Padme. She's Padme, bro. Fuck! What was Natalie Portman? <laughs> Which I feel like, depending on the Star Wars fan you say that to, they'll take that as an insult. But no, that's not an insult. And even if you don't like the character, bro, how's that an insult? She's she made millions of dollars off that role. I know, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's really hard to say at the ports, but I know a Christian Bale. Like we know the Christian Bale's level acting. Yeah, dude, Patrick Bateman, Bruce Wayne, other sh- um, other the, shit. When they had that, when when they had that one cell phone rant of him yelling at that one guy, <laughs> I'm I'm doing my scene here. Think for a fucking second. Yeah, no, it's like, here's the thing, it's like, even his character in the campy, it's like, it's so weird, awkward, but it's like, the level He's like of, a more handsome Ethan Hawke his acting a, style. Yeah, but his level of commitment, it, you feel it way more than the other people, and it comes through. Well, at this point, guys like Hemsworth are just collecting checks. No, I think he really enjoys the Thor character. Natalie Portman, I mean... I don't know. There's there's always been weird background uh, backstage stuff with her on uh, her on these Thor movies and like how she feels about them. Like obviously she was not going to say no because there's money. But I remember I thought I remember reading she didn't do the third one. She wasn't really happy with the direction the of the especially the second the Thor second movie. one. She felt like she wasn't getting much. But obviously this one she like you know is like oh I'm going to become Thor. Which, which I heard, which you know, I heard the anti woke people being like, "Oh, they're catering to the woman." But Thor being a woman is literally a storyline they did back in two thousand like eleven or something. Yeah, so because because that because that, that was when um, that was when uh, Marvel introduced the Miles Morales character because it was part of a short, quick, nerdy backstory. <laughs> the whole idea was Nerd. they wanted a younger generation of heroes to be front and center of their comics, but they didn't create new characters. They had them assume the role. Like for instance, um, like they had Miles Morales be Spider Man. They had Riri Williams, who was a who was a who was a black girl. They had her be uh well. Iron Man, but she was called Iron Heart. There was a, there was a, there was a, there was a Chinese guy that became Hulk. That kind of thing. Miles Morales was the only one from that like thing to really like take off. And by that I mean it was one of the only things that people liked. But Thor being a woman was part of that too. And it's not that people didn't like it, but I feel like people thought it was more of a novelty than anything because that's what established in the Marvel canon. Thor isn't a person. Thor is a concept. Thor is Thor is whoever Mjolnir chooses. And I'm like, okay. All right, cool. But yeah, no, if you're bored, that's a movie. It's a fine movie to go watch and check out for sure. I was going to watch it on like Friday when I was. Bro, the only Thor I need is when God of War Ragnarok comes out, which finally has a release date. Oh my God, what's the release date? Like November 11th. All right, so in January, I'm going to creep out your (laughs) time. Yeah, we should review it for the podcast. There's this podcast I Down. follow called Resonant Arc. What they do is they uh, they they play the game to certain points, and then for well, it's their whole podcast. But they'll do hour and a half ish podcasts of them reviewing parts of the story, um, and that's what they do. I'm not saying we do that, but I'd be down to play it and review it for the podcast. It's gonna be really hard because we need to figure out how to. 
We got to really figure out how we're going to format that one. <laughs> you know what? We'll try. That's right, <laughs> listeners. We're advertising at some point in the future of 2023. We're going to review a fucking video game. We're Why gonna, not? We're going to. And um, I'm going to be at your pad playing that thing because I don't own a PS5. It's a tradition. And I don't want to buy a PS5. You played like almost every God of War game in my house. You played at least three of them. Yes. I've obviously played like the. I think I know I played the first two in my pad. Yeah. Yes. Which a lot of people still say the second one's their favorite one. Like, obviously, third has the dopest combat, but that's the, third the second one, God of War is really good. Yeah, the second one had really good mechanics. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is yeah. a shorter game, but, like, the mechanics in that one's really good. The third Plus, one Kratos has the was, best mechanics. I don't know the mechanics in Ascension. Virtually the same thing, but Kratos' blades can turn different colors. Okay. It was their seventh game, bro. They were they were they were running out. It was weird. It's the seventh game doing the same kind of combo, Devil May Cry, hack and slash fast like combo. Which concept. at that point, that game came out in like twenty thirteen. Was kind of becoming that, and the quick time events were kind of becoming outdated. God and of War always got a pass because it pi- it helped really pioneer that shit. It's like but pioneer. Like here's the thing: like the concept was the hack and slash combo, like slat, like yeah, 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 set up with the platforming. But even then, you what you do stay as a good state is a good point. It was kind of like it definitely felt old at the time period. Maybe yeah. in hindsight, like powering through the games, it could be fun. But for the time period, it just kind of felt old. Now, obviously, this God of War, the new God of War, was just Doing what a bunch of other fucking games like, let's rip off fucking Dark Souls, guys. <laughs> let's just do that fucking thing. R one for light attacks, R two for heavy attacks. Uh, uh, equipment of different rarity, stats, RPG mechanics, luck. Like, yeah, there was like RPG <laughs> cooldowns. Yeah. Cooldowns. Yes, there were like I guess RPG mechanics in old semi open world with crafting mechanics. Yeah, ish. I wouldn't call them crafting mechanics. Yeah, they're just, they're close. You you do gather stuff, but the dwarves do the crafting. Yeah, for you, you gather stuff to get update your swag and weapons. Yeah, your your Kratos swag. But. Fucking a lot of people like that fucking like auto, like Dark Souls God of War game. I mean, don't get me wrong. That, the problem is that game is actually really, really good. Like too fucking good. The problem is, is that at least half the people that played it didn't play the old games. That's the sad And part. then I had to hear a bunch of people tell me, ooh, uh, the 2018 God of War uh, cr- uh, finally grows up and tells a mature story and Kratos is uh, an actual character now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shut up. Shut you never up. play the old games. Kratos was a character. He had he had, he had had peaks and valleys, highs and lows. It's just that in the third one, which until 2018 was the most popular one, he was angry all the time in that one. But that's because the whole game is literally fighting Olympus. So it's at the the the, the apex of his fury. I'm my issue is just more of the game, like obviously going off the game mechanics. Obviously, if yeah. you got, if the story, if you ask me, the story might be better in the like the new God of War one, the 2018 one. I'll you could say the story is better than the other ones. But if you ask me, the playability and game mechanics, like what's funner? I like the old older ones more. They're more fast paced and fun. It yeah. really fucked puzzles. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. There was fuck puzzles in those games too. Yeah, like really. Uh, like there were puzzles that I would. It would. I, they would take the, me a while. Yo, what's the, yeah. How about the 2018 game? Was there puzzles? I can't remember. There were some, but most of them just came to just uh, like in the other ones. You had to like move blocks. You had to push stuff. You had to time jumps. But in the other one, it just comes to oh, just find a way around this and climb up it, and then kick a rope down so you can get back up faster. Yeah, that's not really much of a puzzle. The only puzzles was optional stuff, like those runes you could break and stuff uh, to, to unlock chests. But that's really that's really the only... Oh, 
they did do some stuff sometimes with um in like the light temple with some abilities but it was kind of it wasn't nearly as uh in depth as the greek era uh god of war yeah the greek era god of war games had the fuck puzzles yeah they were those games were like a quarter puzzle if you because they're so short you know but if you break it down they're like Pandora, uh, Pandora's temple on Kronos' back is a giant puzzle, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Like, if you know the puzzles, you can zip through. But when you're first playing the game, they're kind of a bitch. Yeah. All right. Let's actually get into the show. Let's get into Hot or Not. Yep. Yeah, we don't need the metronome on. Yeah, I actually have the metronome on on that one, but don't worry. Now everyone listeners. knows we have a metronome on while we podcast. Yeah, no, like I'm fucking counting out like how I'm like <laughs> podcasting. All right. Let me bring up what good friend Jake said. You know what? Actually, before that, we actually have a funny tale. Because oh, like no. he hit us up in the middle. Like he messaged a group chat of ours in the middle of the night and he was just going. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to tell him about that? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't think there's anything appropriate. I just don't no, know. No, no, no. It's fine. I was just okay. So he literally just said, all right. So I checked the Triple D episode with my hot or not, which obviously, you know, listeners, anyone that listens, we always crack a joke. He doesn't fucking listen to these. He has three points. The first point, I do I do listen to the hot or not, but I let him build for a few weeks. So what, do you listen in bulk or are you just listen to like maybe one? I don't know. So you basically prove my point. You really don't listen to <laughs> listen to them. Point two, I do like the song a lot because you made mentions that the song he showed us last week, he didn't even like it. Or I something. might have said like he didn't care for it because of it's a faster song and he likes the more mid he likes more mid paced stuff. Well, according to this, he his only issue was the verse vocals are rough and it was a bitch to track. And then the third point, fair critique on what <laughs> I do. I can't remember. I didn't re listen. I didn't re listen to what I said. He said the general consensus among most of my peers is I do pop punk better than metal, which I think is awesome because metal is lame. Yeah. And also, if the song makes James cringe, that's you. Uh, that means it's got to be a pretty bitchin' pop punk trash. Sure. Also, he clarified that when because you had mentioned he didn't write the song, he did say that it was a collaborative effort written in the same room together. And I said, well, James should have told me that. So you're trying to sabotage sabotage Jake. Sabotage Jake, where I was like, he didn't compose it. He wrote the lyrics. The he had another guy fucking made all the other shit. Yeah, it's a collaborative effort, sure, but like, I'm just over, I oversimplified it <laughs> in a roasting sense. I'm like, whatever. And he's like, yes, the Bart Rock song is next, and it's like, oh, I was like, damn, I must have said so. I must have been good on my roast. Where he's like, oh no, no, that's not real. It's like I know you worked with the guy. You fucking spent $1,600 for a whole month for a pad up in Oregon and had this guy come in and I don't know how much money you spent for him to hang out and program shit. So I know it's a collaborative effort. A couple hundred. Yeah. At least. But if you ask me, the Bose Boat still did. He did the vocals. Right. These are facts. But he says next he has a butt rock song next. Yeah, butt rock song that he's dropping. Not, you know, not for, today's hot or not. You know, we've said the term butt rock before. To anyone that listens to us and might be like, what the hell is butt rock? What's a good layman way you can describe the term butt rock? Formerly known as cock rock. Uh, I, I can't do this. This is a good <laughs> 10 to 15 minute conversation. We do have a show to run here. Okay, never mind. I don't want to try to get into that. Like... 
please. <laughs> if you need me to like specially rant on it, sure. But we, there's not going to be much of a hot or not if I'm like going to be ranting 12 minutes of like butt rock after I already played the bumpers. So, all right. All I know is that Jake did text say we're going to get spicy this week, but I don't know what he said in his voice message. Okay. Okay, so for this week's Hot or Not, it's going to be a song that was blatantly ignored by the hosts of this show because there is a war on pop punk happening here and there is a war on good fucking killer choruses. Uh, and anyways, I was at a weeb festival on accident because of the milk tea thing a few weeks ago and then all of a sudden they think that they could just take the segment and fucking... Uh, you know, just take the segment away from me. But I did send in this song. This is by a band called Unwell. The song is called Epiphany, and it they're they're basically another TikTok darling, uh, along with the band Honey Revenge that I sent last week. My guy, so, anyways, I asked you for I'm a track, but you never sent one when we recorded. Uh, you guys can decide if it's hot or not. I was gonna wait till he and was- also <laughs> he's still going on the subject of my song from a few weeks ago. <laughs> I will say this. It was a good critique, but I did help write the music too. I was also in the room. I was the Lars Ulrich of of the of the for your deal. own song. So uh, yes, so there is that. Now, I just said that, and I do like the song. I just think that my verse vocals are a little rough, and the song is not about <laughs> me being old because I'm still young and hot, and I've had a lot of work done. So I even look hotter than I did a few years ago. So if the hot or not was just me, it would obviously be a hot. So there's my rant for your podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy the tune. I was going to wait until you said talking, homie. James gave you like a four-hour window. We were like a 20 minutes into the show. We had enough time for to call my to, to call my mom, have her remember a song, and James look it up. And then play it. And then you didn't call us until we were an hour into the podcast. <sighs> this guy. Is he mad that my mom jacked his segment from him for I don't a week? Know. I don't know. Does he feel threatened? Bro, say- I got tears in my eyes. Legit. <laughs> Let's listen to this song. Once it comes up. What's it called? Upward by Well or something? Well, so the song is called Epiphany by this band oh. called Unwell, who are TikTok darlings. Is this 2012? Dick, basically. All right, let me uh, read off about uh, Epiphany. So, Epiphany, well, Epiphany is Unwell's first comeback single since following their debut EP, New Moons, which gained over 1 million streams since releasing in August of 2021. Is it really a comeback if it's if they only have a demo? I mean, an well, EP? Well, either Unwell is paving their own unique path of industry a unique path in the industry, always pushing the boundaries of pop punk and rock with catchy pop vocals and aggressive instrumentals. Despite many obstacles along the way, Unwell is ready to start a new era with Epiphany, raising June 3rd, 2022. I swear he's shared this song before. It sounds familiar. I swear it does sound familiar. Don't. Dude, I think was this the Rise Against man? 
Maybe? Has he sent them before? I don't know. Because I don't think he sent this song. Bro, do I have Because if he did, he's going to look like an even bigger jackass to the audience now. I, I might have to search this. Okay. You're going to hear my, like, bing box going. All right, so DDD radio show. I think he digs. I think I recognize his chorus. It's this part. Oh, well, not this part, but it's the shut up and put your money where your mouth is. Or maybe that's... Actually, no, wait, that's from another pop song, I know. Shut up and put your money where your mouth is. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. I mean, it's fine. A little generic, but it's fine. I swear he's, like, shared the song before. Oh, is this where it gets heavy? Do you remember oh, it was before mind. or after the Ed Sheeran Bring Me the Horizon? Well, that's just it. I, the only thing I could say for sure is it would have been during the Tough Enough stuff. Pretty sure. You know, I would have to pause and try to figure this out. Yes, we had heard this. Really? I fucking swear we have. No, I you, like, swear. Shot out of your seat no, when he said that. that. Stop! I remember that stop. No, I remember the chorus too. You know that stop, and then it goes straight into the chorus. Did he send the same song? Dude, again? I might have legit. I swear, like listeners, once we're like done listening to the song, I'm gonna have to stop and I might have to find this because I know in the description I wrote a band that sounds like Rise Against. Yeah, here I'll help you too. I'll start from the bottom of Tough Enough. I don't know if it was in a tough enough period, but I swear he sent this before. And now we're just making him even seem like a bigger jackass. Okay, we'll be right back. Alright, listeners, give us a second. Alright, listeners, I found it. Oh my god. Oh, Epiphany. Yeah. It's gonna be weird hearing us Speaking also retro. Over it sounds us. like the early 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, let me skip forward. Fucking Literally the rest. What was that? Oh, he has energy. He's like, the singer, because the music video, it's just a performance video. Uh, what's it? And uh, the singer's so kind of, the singer's kind of low-key. Fuck, it's really hard talking over us with us. This is a very awkward show. But see that boat, Steel? Wow, he has energy. You now. fucking buckethead, rubberhead, sending us the same. <laughs> You've already sent us this song. I'm about to message him right, right now. You know what? Check it. I'm going to even do a voicemail. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send a voice message. What a jackass. Hey, yo, you rubberhead! You just you you sent this song before. You sent it when it was sick. We literally went through it and listened to it, and I remember the chorus. And I just found the episode where we legit reviewed this song. Give us something else. God damn it, geek! You geek. All right, let me review that. Um, let me put on record so you can review that. Hey yo, you rubberhead! You just you you sent this song before. You sent it when it was sick. We literally went through it and listened to it, and I remember the chorus. And I just found the episode where we legit reviewed this song. Give us something else, god damn it! Geek, you geek! What a great show we have, James. I know for real, uh, dude. I think that warrants a good piss break. Okay. <laughs> All right, another stop. Another stop, and then we'll get in our classic album reviews. Unless he's gonna send us something else. Would you want to do another hot or not? You're. A, 
I don't know. We'll we'll see if he responds within the next four hours. Yes. Well, he saw my voice message, but either way, I'm going to take a leak, and we'll figure out if we're going. Oh, oh my, my God, God. He's, he's fucking calling. calling. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hold it. Oh, no. I got to. Hey, hold it. All right, speak. Hey, what episode are, what are you guys talking about? I went through the fucking episodes last night on my new patio. All right, it should, <laughs> all right, it should be the, <laughs> oh, hey, do you have that episode up? Yeah, it's the season four episode of Tough Enough. Yeah, it's uh, not see, episode four of Tough Enough. Episode four, season five of Tough Enough. What date is that? The song came out on the fourth. Is it's it the, the one with Bill DeMont uh, oh, as the yeah. thumbnail. Yeah. I literally, in the description, I'm like, all right, the song, this band sounds like Rise Against. All right, well, here's the thing. I went through every episode after that, and I was like, where the fuck did they put it? So, someone you- fucked up here. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, you! yeah, that's you. I don't know, but are you on the air now? Yes. Oh, here we go. All right, so, yeah, now I know not to fucking say anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, have I sent in any Megan the Stallion in the past? No, you have not. Pretty All right. Well, sure. here's what I'm gonna do. Just it's not the newest song in the world. It's about a year and a half old. But I'm just gonna send in send in some uh, stripper fight music because I've been I've been rocking to it lately. So give me two seconds, and then I'll fucking send something. Over. Uh, I'm gonna take a piss break. So yeah, send that over. All right. Peace. Kisses. What a stupid jackass. <laughs> I love him. This podcast embarrasses him. And what are we even trying? We didn't even you didn't hit stop. Ah! <laughs> okay, listeners. Bosto got back to us with some Megan the Stallion. Let's hear what he has to say about this. All right. Someone <laughs> fucked up. Uh, I was running this two-bit operation over there, and apparently this song has already been shared. So, here's the new song. This isn't a new, new song. It's been out for a year or two. However, I've been bumping it lately. She's obviously a very, uh, relevant artist. I feel like I have Megan to start... Stallion. I don't want to scream uh, these. You know, this is like stripper fight music. Actually, and no, I'm not going to. And, Let's turn you know, into a funny just adventure. Just to paint a picture, yeah. because of, you know, my, my critique that I got of my song two weeks ago... I want you guys to picture while listening to this. This is like my reaction while listening to your reaction to my song. So what? there you go. So this one oh. right here is uh, Megan the Stallion. Is she hot or is she not? Oh. And I think you guys will get a kick out of uh, the sample that she uses. So oh, enjoy. No. Well, or Megan no, the Stallion is the is a pretty lady. So yeah, I do think she is hot, and I'm sure. Her, and I do think her music's fun. So. What's a listen from going? Something I'm very sad again. It's a listen to Megan's the Estate. Oh my god. Yeah, it's this one. Alright, so this is what Jake thinks of us. And my 6'4, jocking the bitches, slapping the hoes. I have a feeling I can't put my finger on it. This does this almost feels like the incorrect podcast to have this show this this song on. Yes, but I feel like the vibe is hilarious, so it both steals aggression towards us right now. 
Is he? Do you think he's listening to this song right now? Imagining just punching our lights out in a WWE he's ring. Like, he's like saying, "Like I'll punch you out, but I'm a hot boy doing hot boy shit." No, he's not. Yeah, no, he's no. It's like no, you're a pop punk boomer doing pop punk boomer shit and being old. Oh, yeah, he's gonna listen to this. <laughs> I guess he's listening to us now. Now I feel self-conscious. Do you? No. <laughs> Jake tries. Jake likes to get back at me though. He doesn't get back at you. I don't know. He seems like he's trying to get back at me right now. Yeah. Whose fault was this? Uh, the guy that sent us the song two times in a row. Two times. Like. Do I remember all your songs you said? No. Do I want to? No. But did I actually remember? Yes. I was like, I've heard this before. Oh God, it's the Rise Against song. Here's the thing. We have proof that you're being a dummy. Yes. We uh, we saw it for ourselves and we played it for our audience. Yes. Here's the thing. I prefer this song over Epiphany, so I'm already gonna say it's a hot. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? Let's be real. The song has brought me more entertainment and joy, and I feel it's a better song than like. Oh no, I'm all sad again. I'll let you have your in-depth. Look, look, look at the tough guy that doesn't get sad. I guess I am a tough guy, like Sebastian Bach. <laughs> I, the, the, the entire last twenty minutes of the show makes me feel like I'm high. It's been a chaotic. It's been a chaotic series of events. Not gonna lie. I'm gonna listen back to this layer and just be like, "Fuck, I have a headache." <laughs> that song's a hot, okay? Because it was it was fun and bro. They sampled and they sampled uh, they sampled Easy E's. Uh, easy eat beat i'm like well it's nwa but it's his song so i'm like bro that's hype yeah I really, i'm like, a bat i'm a hot bitch i do hot things i'm like i guess i got a fatty and my outfit i'm just like i guess jake's sitting there was like hey i'm hot i'm a hot guy doing hot guy shit listen to these like sweaty nerds diss on me and shit no, you're saying you're saying you're say, <laughs> say, I'm a boomer punk on Reddit. Boomer, wait, no, no, not a boomer punk. He's a pop punk boomer. That's right. As I uh, pop I'm a, punk boomer. I'm on Reddit. I listen to Blink 182, and I get dissed on because I kept sending because I send in the same song. I like how he tried to be like, all right, someone fucked up. <laughs> He's like, all right, someone fucked up. I'm like, well, I think that's you. But <sighs> here's the thing: over Epiphany. And like unwell, the TikTok pop punk darlings. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, I like uh, Megan the Stallion more. It's not because it's like, oh, he's a tough guy and he just gets sad. I'm like, I feel like this song was just like way funner and better. Oh, it was ridiculous. Oh, it was more ridiculous, <laughs> to be honest. Here's the thing: what do you think your mom's gonna like more? None of it. Oh. Well, if she was have her favorite choose. part will be Jake making himself look like completely burying himself, making him look like an absolute jobber <laughs> live on li- live in color. <laughs> and then he's going to complain that we made that we made him look bad I, in my head. I'm just thinking to myself, bro, what if Jake just had randomly has beef with my mom now? <laughs> I don't know. I'll fucking get the hot or not timestamp, but that one's easy. Okay. That one that one has a hard stop, but 
Let's get into the CAR. We got another part of the show to do. Uh, okay, so apologies for Jake making this run long, but we are in your uh, semi-main event uh, on the card tonight. For this classic album review, I was like, hey, James, you want to listen to Skid Row? Yes, and I was like, fuck it, why not? And you know what? Listen to this record. I feel like we got some fun content for you today. Yes. Here's the thing about listening to The Who. That is a band artist that, for the most part, even when they're silly, we can take serious. We could enjoy, but we did get bored in the end because it was taking a minute when we were doing this. Obviously, I was not bored listening to this record, but that doesn't mean I like this record. A little bit of history for y'all. Skid Rose. Skid Rose started Fuck. like any band would. They met and they were like, because I think a couple of them, one of them worked at a guitar shop. A couple of them knew each other. And they're like, hey, let's do this. There was one exception, though. As problematic as he was for them, because apparently he's notoriously, infamously a bit of a toxic jackass, or he was. Sebastian Bach, uh, with his, uh, who is legitimately a very good singer, helped get, make them a global name with his dope ass singing. What helped them also was, I don't know if you know this, David Sabo, one of Skid Row's guitarists, he's best friends with John Bon Jovi. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right. And they made a pack that if one of them got famous, they helped the other out. And then the other one fun fact that I think is just kind of neat is um, this album was recorded in the back of a hotel. Cool. So cool. Track one is... Yeah, you don't need a too crazy of a studio to make a good sounding record, which like this record sounds good. Yeah, it definitely sounds a cut above. I've heard glam records from the past. They sound really just flat. They sound really dry. There's not. There's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of uh, um, just big open space with this record. All right, so, so let's go into song one. Track one is called Big Guns. It's a song about breasts, James. Yep. And Sebastian Bach said in an interview, they wrote the song because they like big breasts. Mm-hmm. It has some sick Motley Crue copyright infringement chugs. I would love to draw a notice for you, by the way, to the opening lyrics. The first words of this song, and if you weren't following the radio, the first thing you will hear out of the singer of Skid Row's mouth. Sebastian Bach says... This is how he opens the record. She was a ballerina on a subway train. Stiletto heels and a candy cane. What? What? For the record, I guess Sebastian didn't write these lyrics. He just sang. The lyrics were Sabo and other people, I guess, in the band. But yeah. If I'm speaking honest, I don't know. I thought it was fun. It didn't offend me. It had a nice guitar solo. And plus, that chorus... Got the big guns. I gave it a six. All right. So for song one, I was like, well, the song's about a chick with big boobs and she makes them pretty horny. And it was pretty generic ass song. So I gave it a six out of ten. I felt I felt like it had some energy. Now, tell me about song two. Sweet little sister. Okay, so the first song, right, I thought was an all right opener, you know, gave it a six. And now I'm not going to say this album fell off a cliff because it's only song two. But man, this song was, so, it sounded more generic than Bone Steel's Hot or Nots. <laughs> hey, Megan the Stallion was like. <laughs> no, that, that, that was. She sampled, a, she sampled a beat from the 90s and just rapped over it. 
True. Which I it's it's at least unique, I guess. But this song sounds like Sweet Little Sister sounds like you would have heard it on any other like 50 records that probably came out the year this came out. And I can't ignore this. I'm sorry. I listened to Sebastian Boxing and this whole record. He has range, but tone of voice wise, he sounds like if Brett Michaels and Vince Neil had a baby. Hmm. <clears throat> He's got like Brett Michaels like inflections, but he has Vince Neil's rocker tone. Bach is almost as big as Vince Neil now, too, come to think of it. But it's a good, I wrote here, it's a good popcorn song. That's the best I can say. This song is almost bad. Five out of ten. Here's the thing. I wrote down, well, now we have another song, but of statutory rape <laughs> while also ripping off Guns N' Roses. A lot. A lot. <laughs> ripping off Guns N' Roses a lot. I give it a light six out of ten. I didn't feel like it dropped off a cliff, but it was definitely, uh, wasn't going anywhere. I don't know if Big Guns was that much better of a song but or if this was just as worse of a song. Here's the thing. But it being like a bad, corny, like Guns N' Roses ripoff, I was like, okay, it does have some realism value. True. I would re-listen back to the song and have a joyous laugh and act like a cornball. Speaking of cornball, track three, can't stand the heartache. Oh, fuck. It's fun. It's generic for the time period. I liked it a little more than Sweet Sister. That being said, it's another five. So far, we're not off to a good start. Oh, no. I was like, well, let's do the first song again. But now be sad about heartbreak after two songs of being horny and trying to like chase women. Is this a poison record? It's uh, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy with these songs. <laughs> yeah, let me get these like sketchy loose women. And then like, oh, I got heartbreak. I'm like, oh, you're a dumbass. <laughs> so five out of ten. Track four is called Peace of Me. It's a mid-paced song. I wrote here, the pure cheese was enough to bring my mood up a little bit, and I liked how it had a heavy riff with with two quotations on each side. So that's like four quote, sets of quotation marks. I liked it enough. Low six. I just wrote down, oh, we have a tough guy song with the metaphors of a girl listening to them. Five out of ten. Yeah, they were being a tough guy here. <laughs> Okay. Tough guys and women, bro. Right, tell me about song five. 18 in life. Legend has it this song was about an accidental murder that David Sabo read about in a newspaper. And legend also has it that the original intention of this song was about Sabo's brother who fought in Vietnam. Reality has it that regardless of whatever the song is, uh, this song is a fucking banger, dude. Mmm. Like, legit, it's a great ballad. I think it counts as a ballad. It's not a power ballad, but, you know, it's not that long either. You you don't know hearing it on the radio, but the song's not even four minutes. None of the songs are really that long on here. This is like 11 songs, but it's out in like 40-some minutes. It's a radio punisher, but you know what? I never change the channel when the song comes on. I know this, this might be too high for you, but, bro... I give this one an eight. It's so above the other four songs. Well, here's the thing. I really, really do enjoy the song. So I wrote down, hey, a song that you can actually take serious. <laughs> I gave it a high out of 10, arguably a nine. The best song on this record, in my opinion. Easily. For frequently. me. Yes. Easily. Now, song six. <sighs> Rattlesnake Shake. Uh. Which made me do a double take because Motley has a song called that on Dr. Feelgood, which came out three years after this. So I checked and yeah, same name, but that's not a cover of this song. Mm. I guess glam bands think alike. 
Yep. Anyway, this song is also heavy. Check this out, Sebastian orders me through the speakers. This might surprise some of you at home. This song is about sex. Fuck, really? I couldn't tell. Shake, shake. Shake it like a rattlesnake. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's because 18 in Life was so good. I vibed pretty good with this song. It was catchy and it had a it had a guitar solo where I was like, "Bro, I wish that was in Guitar Hero." I actually gave it a 7. Damn. I like the chorus. Here's the thing. I gave it a 5 out of 10 with that <laughs> lame ass riff opening this song. Like literally the first couple notes and chugs, I was like 5 out of 10. <laughs> you come off 18 in life and then you play that lame ass riff and then you talk more about sna- about sex. Sex. And when you go rattlesnake shake, no, you're fucking fuck you. You get a 5 out of 10 with that. You, you don't come off 18 in life with that it bullshit. It was so bad it's good. I genuinely feel that way. That, that you it sound was like, so cheesy. You sound good. like me with song 2 with the statutory rape. <laughs> Just gonna leave that one alone. All right, song seven. Youth gone wild. Uh, what can I say other than this is a motherfucking anthem? I love this song this too. This is a banger. I love this song too. Especially love the lyrics. You just want to sing along. It's about how eighties kids were mistreated by their Christian boomer parents. I love the one line. They call us problem childs. We spent our lives on trial. I'm like, ooh, that's good. Uh, yeah, another eight out of ten. Not as good as eighteen in life, but. They're in the same ballpark. They're so above everything else on this record. Even though I did like Rattlesnake Shake. Motley Crue's version might be better, but. Yeah. All right. So this is a reference that maybe Edward and indie deathmatch re- wrestling fans could get. But I wrote down fucking Zandig, bro. <laughs> this is his fucking theme song. And I just, that was the first thing I was like, I forget. Did it. I'm like fucking Zandig, bro. I'm like, oh yeah, right. But I'm like, but for real, another song you can actually take seriously. I give it a high seven out of ten. It could be an eight. I'm cool with it going with an eight. Track eight is called Here I Am. On its own, it's pretty whatever and filler. But considering the last few songs it came after, it didn't offend me because you because Youth Gone Wild and freaking um. 18 in life put me in a good mood. Rattlesnake Shake was fun. If I was to listen to tracking on its own, this might be low. This might be a five. But honestly, this song didn't offend me that much. It's pretty boring lyrically. Like you could tell Sebastian's trying to do something with the He's lyrics. Trying. But the lyrics just kind of suck. It's a, it's, a, it's a low six. Here's the thing. For song eight, I wrote down more generic riffs and sex. Five out of ten. Here's the thing, you don't come off good songs and come up with crap. That's true. I'm like, you don't come up doing generic <coughs> shit after coming off a good song. You're like, I'm just going to bury that song even more. And if it's going to be more about sex, after you actually have a good song with good lyrics, yeah, no, you get a fucking five. Like, no fucking, no hope for you, bro. You don't come off fucking good shit with l- more lame shit. That's true. All right, so. Oh. oh. You want to talk about lame shit, this next fucking song. Oh, God, yeah. Track nine is called Make It a Mess. I almost turned off the album. Do you remember how this album, how this song starts? I have it right here. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Bro. Let me do that one again. Try that again. Oh, yeah. 
Like, that's where I had my moment where I was like, fuck you. It's more generic, wannabe, uh, like, tough guy, sex, chick, speed metal bullshit. Five out of ten. Here's the thing. Oh, I have a pseudo story for this one. For Song 9, I've once listened to a podcast where I think Jericho reviewed this record. Or he was, I think, I know he's reviewed this record, but he's also talked with, like, the boy Sambini, Sambono. It's just Sabo. Sabo. Yeah, David Sabo. With the, yeah, with the boy Sabo. Maybe he was talking with, like, friggin' Bon Jovi. I think it was Sabo. But, like, Jericho likes this record. And he said with oh, this. Oh, really? Oh, yes. So, yeah, so pro wrestler Chris Jericho. I remember this song because I actually went like, was, I listened to this podcast and I checked out the song. He's like, yeah, this song here. Because, like, yeah, around that time, like, yeah, a lot of bands kind of sound insane. But you guys, nah, there was a little bit of something with you. Like, this song right here, it seemed like you guys kind of went with a punk rock, a little direction with this one, a little bit of speed. And I was like, so Jericho with his punk rock comparison and kind of total shit. But yes, that's what Jericho said about the song. Not Listen, much else. Jericho's one of the Jericho's one of the best quality people to ever lace up a pair of wrestling boots. But if I ever met him in real life, I would slap him for saying that. So yeah, this song has some punk rock comparisons. I'm There's like, no punk and glam rock, bro. This is just kind of a fucking Guns N' Roses ripoff because he's like Guns N' Roses has punk influence. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, but it's, either way, it's like basically a band trying to rip off Guns N' Roses. It could be a six, but the sex talk just made it lame. So I gave it a five out of ten. A high five. Out out of 10 sure for the effort but it's a 5 out of 10 I just want to say Jericho uh, yeah. because it's like did Jericho say that yes and I cringed I was like what no I'm but sh- he's a wizard oh he's a wizard <laughs> yeah definitely he's dead doesn't have anything to do with this but I just felt like saying that Okay. So. Yeah, fucking wizard telling me what's a good glam metal. I'm like, sounds like a real, sounds like a real toxic wizard. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, bro. Uh, a lot of these songs I can miss and rather be listening to something else. Not gonna lie. So track ten here is called "I Remember You." This song's apparently the third single off this record, which kind of came as a surprise because I thought the singles were just Youth and 18, and apparently this charted better than all of them, too. I mean, I guess I can sort of get it because uh, I think it was 18 and Life was the first single, so, you know, it was just like, oh, check these guys out. Then uh, Youth Gone Wild did even better, and so whatever. Uh, But anyway, South Park fans might recognize this episode, this song from the episode Guitar Queero. I think this song plays after Stan and Kyle have a fight before the tournament or something. Mm. It's a power ballad through and through, and while undoubtedly there's some good, good guitar work here, and apparently this is one of the other songs they're famous for, it didn't really do a lot for me. Um, it didn't touch me. It did not. Uh, it did not make me want to throw my bra on stage. You know what I mean? The guitar solo was pretty great, though, if I'm honest. But it's a very strong six. Here's the thing about song 10. So, well, it's the last song you can actually take serious. And yes, it's a single. So definitely it's one of the songs you actually take serious. But it's a breakup song and an album of them trying to be tough boys, sex boys. So like that it was just like, yeah, no, sorry. You get you give me all this lame shit. Tell me like how much you get poon and then like, oh, I have heartbreak. And then it's like, here's the thing. It's a song you can take serious, but the record kind of drops the rating down. You can give it like a high seven to an eight, but I'm just going to give it a seven out of 10. It could be higher. And Bach does a good job because this is a song that he really puts in a killer vocal performance and there's a good solo, but blame the record here. Blame the record. The record makes this song inferior. Well, here's the thing. The thing with it's a cycle, right? See, they dress with the leather and all the black and the spikes and they play music because it gets some chicks, which gets some sex. Then they have the songs where they're like big, bad, tough guys where 
oh, we're big bad tough guys, and we get lots of we're girls and sex, which gets get them, which gets them girls and sex. Girls but and then sex. the girls break their heart. These so girls break their hearts. They write a song about the breakup, about how oh my heart's broken. But because of that, it appeal because it shows their softer side. It gets them girls and sex, and then they feel better, so they feel like they feel they feel like bad boy tough guys again, and talk about getting girls and sex. That's the cycle. It's a shitty fucking cycle. Now here's the thing about the last song, song eleven. So this, this I was like, okay, after we come out the last single of God, okay, time finally, all right, last song. Here's the thing. This one didn't suck. I had no idea why this song existed, though, initially. It was like, I'm like, dude, this is like a corny heavy metal song. Yeah, it actually... <laughs> it, it, instead of just saying, it was yeah. just like stuff about the midnight. Yeah, and like, there's a... Because it's called Midnight Tornado, track 11. It's not bad at all, but I just remember sitting there like, why didn't you just end the song on song 10, your big ballad? But then there's this other song, and at the time, I'm like, eh, it kind of sounded generic but it kind of grew on me at the end. And I will say, um, the, this song had a particularly tasty guitar solo, uh, and I like the heavy riff that it faded out with well, here's the, the thing. End. i thought the song and riffs and riff, riff wise and how it sounded was like the first song but honestly i was like dude it's just a corny cheesy metal song that you would hear like from grim reaper or something <laughs> and i'm like oh i didn't suspect this i thought we were just getting more songs about them getting your dick sucked or some <laughs> shit so i was like no i like this i like the corny heavy metal because it fucking like it took it away from all the lame shit they were talking about. Well, and they talk about nonsense here, but it doesn't matter. I gave it a high six out of ten. Like I gave it a I six like two. This one. I gave it a six two. And I did like the again, I like the 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 heavy riff that it that it ended with, you know, that it faded out on. Yeah. I just said it just reminded me of like Grim Reaper kind of shit. I like that cheesy corny. See, now metal. cheesy metal like that, that gets boring too. But bro, oh, when you're get when you're dealing with ten songs about like about how about these big tough guys that get Again, women in sacks. I'm like, this is a this was a pretty breath of fresh air. I didn't know I needed. Definitely. So tallying up the score out of a score of 110, um, uh, th- my my uh, review of the record gives it a 68. Huh. I didn't even realize I was one off from 69. Almost a 69. There's some real lows, but if I'm gonna be honest, it's a solid first album, and some of the lows. Could probably just chalk up to nitpicks. I know there's a lot of people out there because I see them in the YouTube comments that look on a band like Skid Row with really, really fond memories because. Calm down there, guy. Those are some rose colored glasses you're wearing. Well, I won't insult them too much because every, because, you know, opinions are valid. But yeah, there's some people that, uh, you know, I saw them in the comments of the videos on YouTube. They're just, they go really hard for, for Skid Row. And um, yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know why my mom doesn't like them that much. They don't, oh, they no, don't no. It's maybe because like the maybe the singles could be Punishers, but then their other songs are so fucking annoying. <laughs> That's what mom always said about Sebastian Bach. She always said he always just looked like a jerk. I'm like, well, yeah, he kind of looks was. like a fucking jerk and he looks so <laughs> funny being tubby now. That's what I say. He's but almost he's as fucking, big as Vince Neil. Yeah, now. but he's fucking tall, and he still wears his fucking leather chap fucking pants. But you know what he's got I do his like fucking the, beer gut hanging out. You know what I do like though about Sebastian Bach? Genuinely, he's a geek for metal like us. Well, we're not geeks for metal. We're geeks for music. True, yes. But yeah, like there was that. Like he that, can be a metalhead. Like there's that. There's that one Rush documentary that he's in, and he very proudly was like, "I was the head of the Rush fan club in my hometown." I was like, "There was a Rush. I was fan head of club? the Rush fan club in my hometown." 
town. And I and I'm like, you know what? Maybe he's better now. But you know, I'm like, but it's times like, but it's little things like that. I'm like, I get like you could tell Box a guy that really like likes music. You know? Yeah. All right. So what are we gonna do next time? Want to get to the book, or do you want to do another a different album? Fuck! I kind of wanted to do more Skid Row because it was kind of funny ass shit. Unless you want to do another hella corny ass glam metal record. Well, depending, yeah, depending on I'm down to fucking listen to these bad glam metal records and fucking rip them apart and call them hey, it's just a bunch of sex and it sucks. Well, what's funny is depending on how how you felt about this record i was gonna be like bro you want to check out metal health metal health or quiet riot or slave to the grind okay so that record i am actually interested to listen to because according to tv tropes they went for a harder less mainstream sound on that record <laughs> some songs maybe even be considered thrash metal oh okay this we got normally tv tropes isn't like that wrong about stuff so i'm like what the fuck songs are they talking but here's about? the thing metal opinions fucking suck this is some of the corniest lamest shit like, doesn't by extension doesn't, like, doesn't, like believe me i didn't used to be like that so i know it's just a bunch of nerds trying to like make shit more serious than it actually needs to be well, sure, but even then, our group of friends was never like, yeah, hail Satan. The cringiest thing we used to do was just yell Slayer at people. Yeah. That's pretty much where it stopped. But I was like, I could, like, older me would listen to this record. It's like, you know what? I could see some thrash metal influences. I go, I'll just go like, bro, it's the fucking late 90s. Who were the bigger bands? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Skid Row trying to survive the environment and actually tried to be relevant. Relevant. But yes. yeah, sure, I guess we're on Skid Row now. Or at least Slave to the Grind. <laughs> well, at least we'll see how we feel after that. For sure. Let's uh, check out Slave to the Grind. So, are we ready for the main event? Absolutely. Are you ready for the main event? So, listeners, we're back today with another episode of Tough Enough, Season 5, Episode 9. Thank God we're this on, show is almost we're done. We're on the last stretch. And God damn it, I wish it, I still need to grab a timestamp. So, give me one second. Sorry, well, listeners. I'll just talk for a bit. Yeah, uh, you know what? Talk. Well, thank God the show is almost over because there was there were points during this episode where because so little was happening, there were points where I was just writing down dialogue or simple descriptatory things because that's all there was to to there was all that was all there was to take notes on. So this week in my cruise through this pretty quick, not gonna lie. But that that's fine with me, only because Bone Steel held us up. Yes, we had a very chaotic hot or not, but it's okay. Now then, as we're on the last stretch, let me tell you what happened last time on Tough Enough. Last time on Tough Enough. Z. What? Last time the challenge was charisma. And they were trying to, and basically... They were fucked. Yeah, they were pretty fucked. So they first tried to make him show the charisma by doing Hollywood tours. Yeah, Rick did well, but he sucked at the facts. But either way, then they had to cut promos on huge erection in front of The Rock. Double fucked. Yes. Surprisingly, AJ did well on that. But when it came to elimination, Christina, who was a fan, who was a fan favorite for the trainers, with her being able to wrestle and be a pretty lady, and Bill Demont's fucking love interest, it looked like or something like that. Bill Demont, like he's like, "Why, uh, hello there, Miss Christina." Goes like, "Yeah, she's kind of fucking got the charisma of." Uh, she has no business talking to people. I believe he said. <laughs> yes. So Christina and AJ, AJ who did good on the promo, but has been very sketchy elsewhere in the training. They were both sent home 
Also, we watched Andy get fucking brutalized by Stone Cold and the fucking uh, coming to Jesus. It was almost mode. uncomfortable. Yes, because Stone Cold made him ball out. He was dissing his freaking family and his work ethic. Said his dad should have hit him on the head with a shovel. Like Andy should have just straight up just fucking punched Stone Cold in the face and started beating the shit <laughs> James out. James was him. ready to fight Stone Cold for Andy. I'll just say it's like some people would not take that kindly. They always go like, if you would say that to me, I would go walk over, I'll grab a dumbbell and fucking throw it straight in your fucking dome. Yeah. But either way, Andy was the bigger lad and he did survive. So he went back to the pad and basically he was all sad. So now we're down to the final three. We see a fucking random, like, <laughs> was it a uh, panning shot with yeah. the last three with their spinner belts on top of this giant hill with the house in the background. I'm like, OK, this is a ridiculous shot. <laughs> no, it's epic. And with their epic shot now into the actual episode, we see Luke and Big Rig as they're partying in the big house is like, oh, we're now down to three. And come on, we're at the top two. So it's just basically down to us. So they don't give a shit. And he comes back and he looks like an emotional wreck. And you have Big Rig going, hey, man, how's it going? How'd it go? And he's just sitting there and he's like, dude, I don't, want to, eh, I, I don't want to talk about it. He's in no mood to be social after getting fucking eviscerated by Papa Stone. I don't Cold. think anyone would. Yeah. Do you have any comments uh, for these scenes? I wrote down two notes specifically. Uh, sorry, three notes specifically. Last time, people got fucked up by The Rock. Big Rig and Luke are stoked that they get the house to themselves. And I wrote here, Andy feels emotions. Yep. Because those were his words. He basically said in his talking head, he's like, like, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. I'm like, okay, cool. Andy feels emotions. You feel a lot of emotions for being fucking abused by these fucking assholes. So pretty much everyone here was abused. The only one I I would say Jeremiah and Luke haven't really been abused. But like Luke had some mean stuff said about him. But like he was in the he was in the bottom three once. Yeah, but I feel like Andy got the fucking worst bottom three. It was almost like, okay, bro, come on. I told you there was a point to where I was just like, okay, am I watching tough enough for full metal jacket? Because it's starting to look like that army dude from Toy Story and Gomer Pyle and Vincent D'Onofrio is Gomer Pyle. Uh, and yeah. he's about as tall as Vincent D'Onofrio, I think, maybe. But either way, basically, he's on a social move. He doesn't give a fuck. Andy's ready to win this competition. So, Ed, sing the theme song. God damn it. Some people like to learn. Some people wait their time. They want to hold you back. Tell them pay off. Uh, whenever they say you can't take the seal off. I remember when they told me I wouldn't be famous. Now my dream and reality are simultaneous. Uh, fuck, I always feel like I sound so fat when I sing these because I always run out of breath. I'm always pushing myself to the limit, making sure I stay ahead. You made me who I am from the words you said. Some people live to fight, uh-huh. Some people give their lives, uh-huh. Some people don't believe, but I was born a champion. Do 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 do. But I was born a champion. Cause you gotta feel hungry. Tummy. Alright then. <laughs> well, now it's actually that good. song sucks, James. I know it does suck, and it's I get great enjoyment. Like watching it might you be, sing. it might be worse than than Rock of Love's theme. I think it actually is. I genuinely. Well, that song takes itself serious. I think, and, but I'm also trying to say if Brett takes himself serious. I can't tell. Hey. I genuinely, genuinely, I can't. <laughs> Let me show you things you never seen. That's Sunset my, Boulevard, my. Hollywood Hills, Pretty Kitties, and. Whatever the fuck, I don't know. 
Either way, now it's time for training, and Rexon said there's no theme this week. We're at the end. Time to get it. It's just wrestling. So here's Papa Stone Cold, and basically he tells them, all right, we're just going to do spots and just see what they do. So the first thing they do is a crossbody spot. Yeah. Then they go into a hip toss spot with heavy metal music in the background. Sick fucking tough guy tunes. But then there's an incident where Andy tries to do a hop over from the turnbuckle, but accidentally like might have overjumped, so he gets stalled up on there. And like the coaches chewed him. Get, they gets, chew him out for a minute. Yeah. But Andy's like, botches happen. I'm like, come on, bro. There's a thing called botchamania. So yeah, botches do happen. It's like, oh, you can't do that. You have to be perfect all the fucking time. Shut the fuck up, Rexion and Booker. Yeah, because when I think because when I think perfect, never make a mistake happen in wrestling, I think of Booker T and Hugh Morris. Huge Rexion. Your notes were way more exciting than mine. I know. Well, do you have anything you want to say here or should I keep on rolling off? I'll just give you an example. I wrote they spar. They do Irish whips and, and by spar I mean they do Irish whips into turnbuckle and do a crossbody. Then they do the same thing, but do an arm drag instead. Nothing happens. And then after Bill corrects him, they spar some more. Bill says, if you're not going to bring it to the table, I'm going to bring the table to you. Man, he really thinks he says cool stuff. Well, either way. So, yeah, after Andy botched and he's like, dude, come on, people mess up. But the trainers might go like, oh, no, he might be on TV. You have to do this for 300 days out of the year. You can't mess up once. Yeah, it's like you might not be teachable. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I've um, anyway. So and then Andy messes up again. And then Stone Cold says, well, here's the thing. Let me like get back to where I'm at because I don't know where you're at. I think you're jumping. I don't know where you're at. You might be ahead of me. It's like the same spot. Well, either way, because now we have now a headlock takeover drill, but Luke botches the leapfrog or something, and Papa Stone Cold says, hey, no BS high spot bullshit, which I don't know if he was just doing a leapfrog. He was trying to do a high spot thing, but uh, he was doing something weird. Then we see Big Rig and Luke. They're like going running through a spot, and they end up bonking heads. Like it's a damn Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes, it's like, well, someone's supposed to jump here, but who? I'm like, damn, how much of these drills are they doing it to the point where like people forget, wait, what the fuck are we doing? Bill says Jeremiah's, gr- uh, a.k.a. Big Rig's greenness is starting to show. Yep, I got, at least that's what the narrative of the show is saying. And then Booker T says, I want you all to know you all failed today. That being said, have a good night. Like, wow, thanks, Booker. Wow, thanks. Uh, if basically, narrative did say they weren't having the best day, but... So then we cut Oh, on. how dare they not have a perfect day? Oh, but you, if you're on the road for 300 days out of the... Like, shut the fuck up. I know for a fact that everybody in that room has had sloppy... I've seen Stone Cold botch. I've seen Booker botch. I sure as shit have seen Bill DeMott botch. I know I've seen Trish botch, too. But they try to be like, oh, you've always got to be perfect. Like... Oh, the shit's annoying. Oh, yeah, no, it's annoying, and they kind of contradict so they, themselves. So they cut away from the gym, and here's a surreal image. We cut to Stone Cold, Trish Stratus, and the goddamn Miz taking a promo photo sh- media photo shoot in front of a little red Corvette. No, it was a Challenger. I don't know. I just wanted to say little red Corvette because it's a Prince song. Okay. So Miz is here to show- We'll continue on saying- uh, For- uh, <laughs> To be accurate, it was a Dodge Challenger, but yeah. if we want to be funny, I am cool going forward saying the little red Corvette. So Miz is here to show them what media life is like outside of WWE, because as they've been trying to beat into our heads for the past nine weeks, it's not just about the moves, you guys. 
It's not just about the wrestling. Also, Stone Cold calls Miz a top WWE superstar, and he sounds the most wooden and uncaring I've heard him yet. Yep. I think he had more life when he was telling us how the how the Bellas, Eve Torres, and Kelly Kelly need creativity to make their characters leap off the And screen. here's the thing. This is from 2011, so the Miz was kind of fucking being pushed to the fucking moon. Yeah. I forgot how smaller he was. Yo, yeah, dude. And also, he's the fucking champion this year, and he like he does a lot of winning this This was year. literally Miz's year. Yep. Like, he's always in top stuff, but this was like when Miz was on top of the company. Well, yeah. Either way, basically, they're at... So, for the Wacky Challenge, they're at Smashbox Studios and to learn media from The Miz, which, if there's anyone, I would definitely would say that does the maybe the a really good job when it comes to doing media... For WWE, I believe The Miz is uh, pretty good at that job. Sure is fucking Seth Rollins. Yeah. So Miz says, press and promotion is a huge part of being a WWE superstar. You'll represent... Um, he is not wrong. You'll represent the WWE image and message. We don't wear fanny packs and Zoomers anymore. And honestly, I've been frustrated with the show for a while, and this episode was really boring. Right then and there when he said that, I cracked. I threw <laughs> my hands up, and in my own mind, I'm screaming, that's it? This proves it. This has to be lines fed to them by Vince. I'm convinced of it. At every opportunity, this show self-masturbates to the image of everyone doing calisthenics, but then they do everything in their power to be like, bro, fuck the wrestling, bro. It doesn't matter. It is fascinating. This is this this show, this season of Tough Enough, James, it is more behind the curtain for how this company works than any special they ever did on the old network. It is insane how blatant and transparent they were about telling people hey fuck the wrestling just look good and get shredded yep now do some suplexes asshole oh no 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 no. but first we need you to take sick pictures so yeah the gimmick so we see the highlights of miz being a champion yeah also wrote down since miz has his hair was a little bit more like shorter here he kind of looks like fucking cody rhodes here with the suit Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Mike the Miz. <laughs> something, something, Cody Rhodes. Oh, my Lord. So, Whoa. yeah. And my father. I'll do the whole theme. So, well, I'll not. do the first half. So, the gimmick, yeah. They're shooting for the cover of WWE Magazine. Yeah, you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. But that's it. Like, that's literally, it's not even a challenge. They're just doing it. They've got, <clears throat> they've got makeup people dressing them up. Putting on suits. Luke says, and this is they a direct all wear the same fucking suit. Luke says, <clears throat> and this is a direct quote. If you don't like this part of the business, if you don't like this life isn't for you. Well, he's not wrong. So they take pictures. Luke's first. Steve says Luke is a natural. And I, I think Luke is enjoying it. And I wrote here. He does a sick slide off the car while pointing to the they camera. They popped really hard for that. Like he does the slide off the hood of the car. He's like, hey, he's like pointing. He's got his like tongue out and his teeth bared like, ah, but, every, but everyone's like, oh, my God, that was awesome, Luke. I'm like, what? What? He kind of looks like Randy Orton here. <laughs> he kind of did with the cowlick. Randy Orton, looks, doesn't, Randy Orton doesn't smile. Randy Orton smirks. But either way, he looked like Randy Orton with the cowlick hairdo and him doing the slide. It's like if I saw that on the cover of WWE magazine, I would not want to turn into raw tune into raw next this week. Yeah. So. So by that extension, it is a bad picture. 
any oh fuck. But when I, I got that, so mad it jumped me back pi- up to Skid Row. Hey, would I do that picture for the post it for a hilarious picture for the gram? Yes. I would totes do that. So Put yeah, me in a Luke- suit going ah and then fucking sliding down. So yeah, I wrote here Luke looks like he's shooting the he's shooting for the DVD cover of a Skinamax movie. Yep. Andy is awkward, but then he makes tough guy faces and I wrote here I don't care. You just don't care. Well, here, let me say it. Like, I said, Andy, he's a little awkward. Miss says he looks like a nice guy, but he needs to, like, you know, loosen up. And then eventually, Andy lo- he loosens up. And, yeah, no, he takes some good pictures. He, he looks- makes some tough guy face. Yeah, he makes some tough. Like, he looks like a big, tall, scary guy that could actually beat me up for the title. That's true. Big Rig next. My man Biggs. In a suit. My I'm man sorry. Riggs. He looks like an absolute square. <laughs> That man does not belong in a suit. But I felt like he killed it with the photo challenge. Miz makes fun of him for having no teeth. I'm pretty sure that's ableist, but well, I think he also popped out the teeth as a joke too. Yeah, and and then after they they're done taking the picture, like you know they take the pictures, chicken, 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 chicken. Then Miz just kind of leaves. Oh, no, that's Brett. I don't. <laughs> Brett sounds like he manifested a third oh, arm out of his body oh, so he could jerk himself oh, off when he's oh, taking yeah. every shot. But yeah, the Miz just leaves. He was barely there. He barely said or did anything. I think they gave him two talking heads and that was it. I'm like, and he's the only feature this week. And then after this, there's this is almost about as exciting as it gets to the dissection. So what was the point? Talking about them to see if they could be WWE superstars in front of a camera. taking pictures in front of a car? Yes. Come on, there's corny pictures of like, John Cena in front of a car. This show has made me make this show makes me hate WWE more than any oh, no. bad booking decision oh. they've ever made. Dude, you know what's the worst part is when the Mist departs, he just goes off and hey, remember everyone, I'm awesome. And then Stone Cold's like, Yes, sir, yes, sir, he is. And I'm like, I straight vomited right there. <laughs> Stone Cold, what? I have never Dis, I have never not believed something as hard as, as Stone Vince McMahon agreeing with The Miz. He's awesome. Keep in mind, I don't dislike The Miz. I'm not Brian Alvarez, okay? But. That being said, <sighs> so after that, Miz leaves. They don't even judge the photos or anything. Steve literally is just like, it's so awkward because Steve's basically just like, all right, good job. But then there's this bit where he just like rubs his hands together like this. He's like, all right. And it literally happens like this. He's like, Back to work. It's like that silence there as he's rubbing his hands. Like the fucker doesn't know what to say. Well, either way, back to work. Because now back to Booker and Rection. And they do tackle drills with Rection. Which then turns into Irish whips. Yeah. And then we see Andy. He's being coached by... He's being coached to act big. And that's the thing. Uh, let me... Uh, sorry, my notes were a little awkward there. Andy hits a moment right here where the trainers talk to him. He's like, here's the thing. Andy, you're being a little shy. But you're a big guy. Yeah. You need to act big. And then be and- a big wrestler. And he's like, okay, you know what? Like, put your chest out. And Andy starts acting big and he starts killing it. At least that's the narrative of the show. Was. Yeah, he start he does some really aggressive he he throws Irish whips super hard now, you guys. Well, and at least then, it looks super hard. And then Bill DeMott says in his talking head that Andy was born to be in this ring. That made me vomit. Or wanna vomit. Yep. Bill gets so impressed with Luke after Luke does a drop kick. He He walks up to him. He's like, hi, Bill DeMont. Nice to meet you. Where was that fire a few weeks ago? (laughs) I'm like, is 
Is the show that desperate for time or is bro, Bill that easily impressed? Bro, they're down to three people. It's hard to create a narrative here. I feel like the show is trying its best. And then they say Jeremiah is moving too fast, but they all like him and he has Where's the most the, charisma. Yeah, they like him. He has the most charisma. And when he uh, they told him to slow down, he slows down and he's able to do a spot right. And he, at the end of it, there's like, you know, what, you know what, my dudes, you did a good day of training today. Yeah. Go take the night off. Go enjoy yourselves. And then now we see them go to the Mattel Children's Hospital. Yeah. Of all places. Oh, so the, the idea here... I'm about to get canceled in this segment. I got a fucking funny... At, I thought this could be either go bad or go wrong when I got here. But either way, now it's more press opportunities. Because what else does WWE like to show? They like to show charity stuff. So let's have these people meet the... These sick children uh, dang, that was a very inappropriate way either way these children who are in the best shape of health yeah but you know what they're in this hospital and they have a chance to either survive or not wow this is really getting dark let's just get on well because what stone cold here is telling them because keep in mind they don't do this anymore you might forget they used to not only did they used to showcase visiting kids in hospital and do the troops thing and also do the cancer awareness thing they used to have a really fat like anti-bullying campaign but once some of the backstage stuff started getting unearthed especially some stuff with jbl and and other things they kind of stopped doing that a lot (laughs) And let's be honest, WWE has a toxic bullying culture, you know, so and then and Stone Cold's brought them here to this hospital and I'm paraphrasing, but the context is he is telling that the idea is WWE superstars should altruistically on their own times uh, visit children in hospitals, which is a nice, beautiful sentiment. But most WWE guys don't do that. And I'm pretty sure most of them aren't even al- not allowed, but most of them probably don't even either get requested or told to do that. It's probably only like the top 10, 20 people in the co- in the company. Yeah. If you're John Cena. And Stone Cold, which I just wrote down. So we first meet the first kid. I wrote down this punk ass kid meets Stone Cold and Luke. <laughs> it's a joke, people. Please don't Were hate you me. Salty. I was. Well, wouldn't you go like dude, this punk ass kid meets Stone Cold and I? And know- he signs his little toy ring. Yeah, dude, this punk ass kid. <laughs> he meets Stone Cold and Luke. Like, I could miss Luke, but I, I I like I could go without like meeting Luke. But Andy dude. Andy gets choked up seeing the kids laid up, stone cold in a painfully human moment. Like you can actually see it in his eyes. He's not bullshitting. He really admires the strengths of the kids that go through this. Jeremiah said he lost a family member to cancer, so he can relate to them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, uh, here's the thing, because then we meet the next punk ass kid that meets Stone Cold and Silent Rage. This little girl named Aaron. Yeah, this little girl. Aaron met Stone Cold, not you or me. This punk ass kid met Stone Cold and Silent Rage. What the fuck? I'm more upset that Bone Steel's met Stone Cold. Yeah, seriously. Like, sure, yeah, that's his favorite wrestler of all time. Good for you, Jake. I'm happy. But fuck you. But fuck you. So then, then we meet another little girl, and she meets Papa Stone Cold and Daddy Riggs. Punk ass kid. This kid also has Stone Cold do magic tricks for her. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This punk ass kid. What a lucky kid. <laughs> this is a horrible joke. I'm sorry. So then, and then after, and so yeah, there's Stone Cold at the end of it. They're literally just like, all right, good job, guys. This is really cool. It's awesome. It's rewarding. 
All right, back to the gym. Are you noticing a theme? We yes. go to the gym, then we fuck off to do a media thing or go to a place, then we go back to the gym yes. then fuck off for a media thing, go back to the yes. gym. So yeah, but all <sighs> jokes aside for me, it was it was heartwarming and crushing to see these sad, sick children. It is, I'm sure, pretty nice for them to actually have a moment to meet Stone Cold. Like, that is pretty sick to do. Not no, gonna I lie. Re- All remember, jokes aside, uh, I apologize if I did offend someone calling them punk remember, ass kids. I remember. No, me- honestly, I, I forget which comedian it was, but there was a comedian I was listening to once that was taught. It was talking about how you know he, uh, he or she or they visited. I can't remember. Uh, visited some um, some unfortunate kids laid up in hospitals, and he honestly said that um, that they're you know they're all really you know they're really nice stuff. But a lot of the older ones, he said. He said, he said, oh, let me tell you, he said, some of those, uh, he said, those kids can joke. He said, some of those kids have, have darker sense of humors than some comedians. Um, and, and, and he said that, uh, you know, they're just, you know, they're just happy that they're there and stuff. So, uh, so I'm not going to get offended by the, by the punk ass kids thing. Cause I, granted, I've known you for like, what, 30 years now. Yeah, so no, like, I know I, you're kidding. I know. I'm just kidding. Cause like, honestly, who wouldn't be fucking marking the fuck out to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin? So, well, I would. I know. Like, hey, Stone Cold, can you flip me off? Yeah. Oh, here you go, you punk-ass kid. <laughs> so now they're doing a skills challenge. Nope, so now we're at the skills challenge. This is kind of a montage kind of thing because they're repeating various exercises from the past week. Basically, it's like, all right. Oh, I put it down. It's like, all right, time to show your basics. Well, yeah, because Stone Cold has him run the ropes for 45 like, seconds. Like, Stone Cold is like, all right, I'm going to be ring general. I'm going to call spots. Now do those spots and let's see what you yeah, can do. Yeah, he has them run. Also, for- I guess this is the last day. Yeah, yes. that's what Spoiler they said. Spoiler alert, it's the last day in the house. For, they kind of just dropped that out of nowhere. But yeah, 45 seconds, run the ropes, then practice sequences, build monologues on how their parents watching their kids. And notably, um, except for Stone Cold call, uh, calling spots, the narrative's telling us they're all on our own right now. There's no like chiming in from the peanut gallery of coaches. Then they repeat the bag thing. Slam it. Drop three elbows. Booker talks about how Luke has his confidence back after losing to Martin for three weeks in a row. Well, Martin was better. Yeah, Jeremiah slams his bag wrong, but then he does a f- then he does a flip midterm whatever elbow drop. Oh my god, that was so sick! I thought it was cool, but then well, his elbow looked like he crushed the fucking bag's dome. Oh my god, I don't want to take that. But then to harken back to something I was bitching about earlier in this episode, Bill says. Uh, Jeremiah made a mistake and he fixed it. But when you're out on the road for 300 plus days, you can't always fix your mistakes. I'm like, Bill, shut the fuck. You're not going to wrestle 300 matches. I'm like, that's a contradiction, Bill. You're like, yeah, it's like you can't always fix your mistakes. But then you like earlier rewind. Yeah, sorry. You need to be perfect and fix your mistakes. That's my complaint when they talk about the schedule in this show because yes, the WWE schedule is is grueling and it's rough but those people are only wrestling two or three times a week. They're not wrestling six or seven days out of the week. They're traveling for like four or five days out of the week. What are you talking about? They have to work 300 days out of the year. Like how Brett was trying to... 300 days out of the year. Like how Brett on Rock of Love was telling us how he's always on on tour for like 300 days out of the year well i can believe it because like you look like that guy has a lot like well obviously he has a luxury traveling schedule that's true these wwe people might not they don't have the brett bus i thought you said brett bust for a second i'm like you were looking at his chest this whole time no 
I was talking about his bus. Uh, and any listeners coming in, we have reviewed Rock Love season one through three. You can always go back to our up to like a hundred ish downloads. Yes, now. I know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, fuck. <laughs> that's our worst episode. That's one of our worst episodes. So, oh yeah, and then Bill made. This isn't even a backhanded compliment. This is just basically an insult. He says that Jeremiah has flashes of impressive stupidity. And then more sparring. Yep. Big Rig fucks up Luke on an arm drag, I think. And that's really all the only notes I really have. Well, either way, Big Rig says he's an outlaw. Wait, I think I might be off somewhere. But either way, they line him up and it's like, all right, so it's all over. Papa Stone Cold tells them to pack, to go back and pack their bags because it's the last night they're in the house. So. They're at the house talking. Bunch of talking heads. Yep. So I'm just going to say. Sorry, I was like tripping quick. on my notes because Big Rick says it's the last. I'm like, what the fuck am I row here? The oh, last of us? No, it's the last night. So yeah, Andy's like says Big Rick was too reckless. So that might play into him not making it through this elimination. Jeremiah, then Big Rick says he's a born again outlaw. I'm a born again outlaw. I'm like, damn right. Andy says he has faith in himself. And Luke says he feels he's proven he's the best. They all toast with a shot. Yep, they all take shots. Well, except Andy, he takes Hayes a water, water shot. shot. But either way, it's a shots in the last house, and then now it's time to go face the rattlesnake. That's what Luke says. Now we face the rattlesnake. Which, speaking of that, what follows next is about ten minutes of stone cold dissection. Is that a bad thing? No, because it saved this from being the worst episode of all time. Hey. Not just of the season. I mean, of the universe. I don't know. We can always go. Here's the thing. When you're down to like only so, so many personalities, there's only so much you can do. Heather and Jess. Heather was obviously Heather can carry a whole show herself. Even Amber and Daisy. Mm, that's kind of around the same. Well, you had there. Daisy being a fucking idiot. Well, dude, Daisy was like kind of being a sketch bag or something. No, I think yeah, it was Daisy being a sketch bag. Yeah, yeah. But either way. So yeah, here we go. He starts with Jeremiah. He says, finally, we get to learn a little about you. You're in the army, Gil. Gil. How long? How long? Three, Three years. years. Afghanistan, then come home and thought. says, oh, jack of all trades, master of none, huh? He says, well, you want 10, 50 years in this business just because the wind blew you in here? And then he moves to Andy. He says, mentally, I think you're weak. Like, fuck, does Stone Cold hate this guy? I think Stone Cold hates this guy. <laughs> does Andy owe him money? He says, I think you're fragile from the neck up. What you got to say about that? I think you're full of it. I'm like, oh shit, he's talking back. Oh, dude, like Andy was like, dude, Silent Rage is ready to just full on rage. He says, yeah, it's been tough. Challenges have been tough. It's mentally tough. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I left a pregnant wife and a baby girl at home. Stone Cold. And you can see the gears turning in Stone Cold's bald, dumb-looking head. <laughs> he says, Jeremiah, you got a kid, don't you? It, it, yeah, it's a baby boy. He's seven. Baby boy. And he says, and I'm like, oh, shit. Dude. And I realize, I'm like, oh, shit, dude. That means his kid was like three when Daisy of Love was filming. That's oh my, trippy. Oh, my God. Stone Cold says, I haven't seen you be frazzled once. What do you say about that, Andy? And huh? What do you say about that? And then Jeremiah's like, he knows when daddy's at work. <laughs> I'm like, what's your work? Reality shows? Something like that. And then Stone Cold asks him, what do you think about Andy? He goes, 
he goes, uh, I think he's soft. You think you're mentally tough? I'm the mentally toughest one here. And here we go. What about Luke? You think he's soft? Oh, dude, dude, wait. Was this where he also, like, Big Rig also mentions that freaking, like, yeah, I'm also divorced, too. And Stone Cold's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like I got three of them. <laughs> so, yeah, divorced three times. He's like, just like, that's right, brother. <laughs> Getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, divorces. Settlements, bro. Hell yeah, brother. Alimonies, bro. Hell yeah, brother. So then he is, what about Luke? You think he's soft? And Big Rig goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I howled. Oh. That one single line, that single moment, that was completely worth this boring, lame-ass episode. Stone Cold looks so smug <laughs> at hearing that, and Luke looks offended. It's Stone great. Cold looms over Luke. Oh. He's like, you ain't Cool bring- hand, Luke. He's like, you ain't bringing much. You're just a pretty boy mechanic. Luke says, Luke says, it goes just like this. He goes, I'm going to disagree with... Please do! Uh, he does like his nervous laughing. as He's like... Ah, 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 ah. He's totally buckling under Stone Cold. He's like... This is the entertainment business. Oh, well, thanks for, call- for cluing me in. I've only been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> Austin puts over Jeremiah as a natural athlete. And Luke says it's true. He then says, I do take pride in the fact that he looked to me for help. So his win is my win as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, oh, shit. And then, <clears throat> and then Luke says, Jeremiah might be the real arrogant one. And I got to give I got to give Jeremiah credit. He keeps up with Stone Cold back and forth pretty good. Like he's solid as a rock. At one point he says, "I got skills." And then Stone Cold laughs. He looks at Luke. He's like, "Hey, you hear that? He's got fucking skills." He says something like that. <laughs> something like that. He goes to Andy. Fucking hell. You ain't going to start crying, are you? No, I'm passionate. I don't care who knows. And Stone Cold fucking says, uh, I'm passionate too. I cried when I saw old Yeller 30 years ago and never cried because I love this business. <laughs> to sum it up, he tells Andy, despite liking him physically, he's a disappointment. Come on, silent rage. And if I can detour for a second, this brings up a good point. I want to ask you something. Yes. Has Andy improved at all to you? Uh, technically in the narrative, when he acted big, he looked like he was doing okay. Cause but, like, I feel like, like he's the, the worst one of these three well, in the ring. In the ring. I think he's better than Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't like, I don't see Andy bucking heads with anyone. True. But are it, you talking about who's charismatic though? Just whole package. Uh, I would like, you would say I would pick big rig over Andy, but it depends. The show's really hard. Like just cause in my opinion, his ring works lackluster. His charisma's lacking. It just really hit me for about two seconds. I'm like, how in the fuck has Andy lasted this long? Uh, Martin got eliminated. Martin broke his fucking foot. I'm just saying, I feel like these last two episodes really exposed him. But I, I think the dude just kind of sucks. Yep. But there've been other people worse or Martin got injured. Yes. Or Ivalice, too. Stone Cold looks at him and says in a disappointed tone, he does this. He goes, silent rage. Then he just walks away. Silent rage. Silent rage. He asks him, you think Luke has potential? He goes, zero. How come? He's a weasel. 
doesn't love his own skin. Says something like that. I love my own skin. <laughs> I made him so creepier than he actually did. That is what he said, though. Stone Cold calls him twitchy for all his nervous laughter. Luke thinks Andy technically had a good day, but charismatically had a stale day. Andy says he doesn't give a shit what Luke thinks. I don't give a shit what Luke thinks. But then Stone Cold is like, did I miss something? What do you mean? Did I miss some charismatic quality you possess? <laughs> Another back and forth with Jeremiah. Yeah, back to Big Rig of being grilled on him being reckless. And Big Rig just says, I left it all in the ring. So Uncle says, you left shit in the ring or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> don't, bother, don't bother Daddy Riggs. He's, but then Stone Cold's like, all right, no more screwing around. Time to sign the best, sign the or sound the dirge. Oh, dude, you didn't bring up with him like punishing Luke on his nervous laugh. Like he oh. was grilling him on it. It's like, that's a nervous tick, nervous laugh. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It damn well is. Oh, oh yeah, you're, he, he was just that. fucking punishing him on that. And Luke's like, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, you all put up a hell of a fight. And based on everything, it's not by much, <laughs> but uh, Jeremiah, you're going home. I was like, no, he puts Big Rig the fuck over, though. He, oh, no, believe he me. He points to Luke and he says, this green ass rookie came close to sending your ass home. And he came real close. He points to Andy to sending your ass home. And I'm like, that's nice and all good, good, for, good for Jeremiah because Stone Cold Steve Austin's put him over. But at the same time, I actually like this guy. So I'm like, horseshit. Boo. Where's my daddy boo, rig? Stone Cold Boo. Boo. I want my daddy rig. This is the worst decision since your heel turn, which I actually liked. This is one of the I'm talking about he doesn't he doesn't make mistakes. <sighs> ah, fucking Stone Cold. It almost killed me. But either so way. So then yeah, so he leaves. Jeremiah well, leaves. Because he's he was, humble about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, his thing was like he was very green. Jeremiah's like I think I'm done with this reality TV show. Bye. Yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, R.I.P. Big Rig. You were like one of the best parts on two different reality shows. Yep. And Stonkel said next week's the finale. They're gonna have five minute exhibitions in FCW. Yep. Then Stone Cold. Like, oh well, I guess that is. I guess they're in the last like night of the house. Then Stone Cold has beer thrown in the ring. He drinks with them. I'm like, oh, Big Rig would have loved that. Oh yeah. Hey, even Andy broke edge, but I'm like, it's Papa Stone Cold, bro. I think even you would sip one of Stone Cold beers. I was like, I guess I'm gonna drink beer with Stone Cold then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, that's the episode, everybody. Yeah, no, we see talking heads of Andy and Luke back and forth telling us that they're gonna win this competition, and then next week no. we get to see them have a wrestling match. Yeah, that's gonna be very interesting. I also think also the thumbnail for the episode too. I don't know if you've seen it. You see. Stone Cold in the ring, what looks like is raw with them with that's the thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. With Andy and Luke out in the middle with, I guess they're bringing back all everybody back to hang out just to go like, yeah, so here's all the fucking losers and here's the potential winners tuning in tough enough this week. They really pushed tough enough. This actually did good ratings for them. I can believe it. Well, because Tough Enough had went away for a while, if I remember right. Season yeah. four was uh, came out like five, six years prior. Yeah, like I think they did a good run for a minute, but then it's like obviously he can only do so much. Then, but then, then they brought it back, and then then obviously this like show did whatever. But then they brought it back again. I think that's the one with ZZ. Yeah, wasn't that the one with Chris Jericho? Maybe Jericho or Daniel Bryan. 
There might be one. I would have to look at the tough enoughs. No, because I think Jericho. I think Jericho hosted that one, but he was more like instead of being the executioner, like Stone Cold was. He was he treated more like like a he was like a game show host kind of gimmick. Yeah, I don't. I know. Fucking Stone Cold comes in like he's the fucking executioner. Stone Cold came in here looking to murder people with his words. But that's the reason why we watched the show. That's the only reason I wanted to watch the show. Yeah, it's a Stone Cold murdering these fuckers with his words. Of course, half the cast here also ended up being Lucha Ground Underground alumni. I know too, but I guess they picked up Son of Havoc. I guess they picked up all these fucking people from Ivelisse. Yeah, from fucking Southern California. Well, because that was the draw of this season was because the other seasons were either random people, uh, random wrestling people or or uh, performance center geeks. But this season, one of the big draws to draw people in were they actually had people from the real independent scene in re- in America, yeah, in, uh, across America, because obviously, you know, with Matt, with Matt Cross and Marty, those are e- those are obvious examples. But all those guys had legitimate like independent wrestling careers. Maybe they weren't super big, but you you know, the, 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 that was the big draw of this episode. Then next week, I think it's more performance. What are you talking about? Geeks. I think the, I think the, yeah, I think the next one's just like, all right, let's random, find the random athletes. So, Honestly, I think that would have been an interesting concept. Just like for a tough enough, if you're going to bring in indie talents, that's not a half bad idea. But obviously the real draw is Stone Cold. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us where they now with with daddy rigs so, so or just tell us, yeah or just tell us more about big rig well it's not really glamorous they did offer him a full trial but they didn't like his attitude supposedly jeremiah yeah, he came on with a bad attitude and uh daisy love well jeremiah responded with to that in a blog post this is the short version it's all politics at fcw people are all people are real phony there including the trainers me and Bill were cool on the show. I heard he got a job as a scout for WWE, and I was glad to hear he was doing good for himself. He deserves it after so long in the business. When I was in Tampa doing my match with Orlov, Bill was praising me and talking about how good I was doing. I was doing stuff that Luke and Andy couldn't do on the first try, but when I walked into FCW a few weeks ago, he acted like he was too cool to talk to me. What do they wait, want? Wait, wait, fucking, uh, Rection? Yeah. Okay. What do they want in a superstar? I don't need a character. I'm Jeremiah Riggs, which I forgot his real last name. I don't need a new name or gimmick. The WWE has a shitty developmental roster. <laughs> no one stands out. They're all scared of failure, and half of them have been there for years. They're all the same and do the same stuff. Sure, they have a few guys that have potential, but they're all clones. But I'm not going to be just like everybody else. What are they going to do? Send me home? You can't scare someone who ain't afraid. So, yeah. Big Rig was like, fuck this WWE. Dude, bullshit. he came in with with uh, big, big PP, total chat, giga, giga chat, chat energy. Dude, yes. some, that's some total giga chat energy. And then after that, he was actually on Stone uh, on a one, one season of Stone Cold's uh, Broken Skull show in 2015. He picked up bull riding. You mean the podcast? Uh, no, it's like he, he had like a variety show on the country music channel, I think. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, it lasted for like five or six seasons. Oh, my God. That's right. Fuck, dude, do we need to watch that episode? Put that in the notes because we got like a lot of dead space till we get the episode 100. So, okay, yeah, we can put that in the notes. Let's all watch with Daddy Riggs on the Stone Cold show. And now he and he's a boxer now, bare knuckle 
fighting championship specifically. That's basically more MMA stuff. He's one. So he was a bull rider and he still does MMA. He's one and two right now, but that's because his last match, he, he had an ankle injury. Yes, an ankle injury. The curse of tough enough. Mm. Christina, ankle. Michael, uh, sorry, Martin, Martin, ankle. Big Riggs, ankle. So yeah, well, that's, that's where he didn't get his ankle injured on the show. But that but wasn't where they now. Yeah. And obviously, if anyone wanted to, he was on Daisy of Love trying to win the heart of some we of Daisy. <laughs> Daisy De La Hoya. Of Daisy De La Hoya. Which there's 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 reports that that's not even her real. She's not actually related to Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> was she tried to say she was? No, she's not. No, she's not. But Daisy def- definitely was a little wacko. But yeah, that's the episode, everybody. Next week's the finale. Which special thing I will have be able to present to y'all our two year anniversary birthday gift that I've had for a few weeks. Oh my god, holy shit! That is that would actually be pretty convenient. <laughs> yes. What convenience? Hey, the finale of a show. Let's bring in a fucking gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. I can't wait for next week. Actually, I'm just more stoked because I actually want to see the. I am. I am very curious to watch the match between Andy and fucking. Luke. I think it's going to break Meltzer's star rating. Your system. It's going to be interesting. All right. Time to wrap up the show. Yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you have a good one. Adios. Uh, wait. That's I, did, I, I keep checking your line. What did I keep doing? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, what did I usually say? Alvita Z- oh, no, I thought you I thought you always said, uh, hope you have a good one. Yeah. Well, everyone, hope you have a good one. It's like, it's like all right, that's the end of the DD radio show, and I uh, hope you have a good one. Okay, don't sound like that. But. Well, this is the end of, this is for sure the end of the Triple D Radio Show. Everyone, I hope you have a good one. Adios.